welcome to the State of Legacy podcast. This is Daniel or SB. I'm here today with Sydney. And we have, so David is actually out this week, but we've got a special guest, Jake. Welcome, Jake. Thanks, guys. Welcome, Jake. Uh, Jake, or Janky B, better known online, <laughs> a magic user. He's uh, one of the local Legacy players. He actually top-aided last week's PTQ, Legacy PTQ. Yeah. So we brought him on to get his perspective on kind of the current metagame of Legacy, some of the cool new stuff happening, as well as get a little tournament report with Jake. So uh, welcome to have you, Jake. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, how have things been going? How, how have you been? How have you been enduring like this whole pandemic, 2021? How are things going? Uh, everything is good. I mostly just like sit at home, play magic, and think about magic. More thinking about magic than playing magic. I think about magic probably like... 10 plus hours a day, to be honest. Like, basically all I do is go on Goldfish and look at the list and think. And then I play on the weekends and maybe a handful of lists uh, throughout, the, throughout the week. Wow. Yeah, uh, all that's paying off because you've made a top eight on a PTQ, so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's been good. Uh, I switched back to Delver uh, like a month and a half ago. I, I've been mostly off Delver since the Deathrite ban, I guess, years ago now. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was my deck, like, like a lot of other people, until the Deathrite ban. And then when I would play it, it would kind of just feel, you know, just okay. Um, and then I, I, I lost the combo with, with Snow, like, quite a bit. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll play some Delver, you know, have, like, more maybe evenly distributed matchups. Uh, and I've really been enjoying the deck, like, a lot again. Uh, I, I've been having a lot of fun playing Delver again. I'm super happy that, uh, that I picked it back up. And when awesome. he says Delver, it's the rug version, not blue-red Delver. Right. Yeah, it, it is it, teamer. Yeah, it's mostly rug. Uh, at the PTQ, I only played blue red in the main, and then I, I played a green sideboard because I, I think Sylvan Library and Clothis is just like so incredibly powerful. Uh, like like Sylvan Library against the Snow decks, I think there's an argument that it's just like better than Ancestral Recall. Uh, like especially if if there was no interaction with Dreadhorde Arcanist, like of course Recall would be better because if you could flashback to Arcanist, that would be just like totally unreal. But just like you, you get your you get to draw three off it, like almost always against Snow, because the only time they can pressure your life is when you've already lost the game, pretty much. You know, like if they have like turned several Oko or Astrolabes into an Oko or have an Uro, you've already lost. But all the other games, like you get to draw three, and then it just fixes all your future draws. Oh yeah, like like the card is just. Absolutely incredible. Uh, so just like uh, I, I started playing three of those in the board. Wow. Because uh, I basically just always want to have access to one of those in a matchup that otherwise is really bad. Uh, well, like like to to talk about that matchup. So I used to be a snow player, and I would try to matchups with that. And against Delver, I was eleven and two with snow. Like you do not want to be the Delver player against yeah. snow. And, and so basically, you need to reform your sideboard where like. Almost the entire thing is handling the snow matchup. Because uh, even then, like, game one is extremely bad for you. You need to, like, blitz them out really fast. Because if the game goes long, you main deck, you basically have no way to deal with the new row. Uh, and it's just, like, they're going to have such extreme inevitability. You need to win very fast. Uh, but in the post-board games with Library, Clothis, and, like, four Pyroblast, I think you actually become the better card advantage deck. And you also have the early game as well. Um, I don't think you're a significant favorite in the post-board games. Um, the matchup is still... Pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. But being able to become the, I think, favorite post-board uh, is, is really nice. And, and I think you need probably, yeah, like two or three library 
two Clothis and like three to four blasts to, to, to get even close, I would say. All right. Well, we can talk more about your uh, deck a little bit later when we get into your tournament report, but I, I know prior to the top eight in the PTQ, you've also been putting up uh, some solid results in some of the challenges. Um, do you try and play most of the challenges when you can? Or Yeah, I, I play basically all the Sunday challenges, and then I played one Saturday challenge. It starts at 5 a.m., so that, that was the only one that I played. <laughs> Um, I top-aided that one, so, so I, I was rewarded for my lack of sleep. I slept like two hours that night or something. But after that, uh, I realized I could just play Vintage and be able to sleep a full night. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and so I started playing uh, Vintage and Pioneer to be able to get three challenges a weekend in. Nice. Uh, to be able to look forward to the weekend and playing a lot of Magic every weekend, so that's, that's been a lot of fun. Do you grind? So do you grind much much of the leagues? Because like I personally don't play. I played maybe one challenge ever, mm-hmm. um, and I've done like one of the PTQs. But like, do you play a lot of leagues? I, I like leagues because they're more flexible. Like I can, I'm halfway through a league right now that I started like three days ago. Right? Like, do you play leagues at all as well, or is it just mainly the, the higher stakes events at this time? Uh, it's mostly challenges, but I do some league play. Like especially if I'm interested in a new deck. Like uh, I, when I started Vintage, I became interested in the the Golos Combo Check the Golos Combo Shops deck, and I play like 100 matches in the week with that. Uh, in a so, week? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 like 20 leagues? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a lot of leagues. Um, so yeah, if there's something new that I'm really interested in, then I'll just play like 10-hour days until I feel that I like have a reasonable grasp on the deck. But then once I like feel comfortable playing it, then it's more just like thinking about it as opposed to actually playing. So like Legacy, I play probably like Zero to four. So once you understand the deck, you can just think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And, and that's that's a good balance. So that's a, that's a lot of the the, the the prep work for these big events. Master the deck by playing it, and then you just like kind of theory craft in your head. Yep. It just reminds me of like Queen's Gambit when you're <sighs> laying in bed and just. Do you sleep? Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you sleep at night and see Oko on your ceiling? <laughs> I definitely had some magic dreams before. Uh, maybe I got to put it uh, on the ceiling just so I can have even more. Yeah. You know, last thing before I close my eyes. Keep, oh, yeah, keep the mind working even while I'm sleeping. <laughs> oh my god, you definitely play a lot more than us, Jake. Uh, but the, the results uh, speak for themselves. Um, so Sydney, how have you been, man? Doing good, yeah. Uh, I got my second vaccine, a COVID vaccine shot, so nice. feeling a little immune to the, the menace out there. The menace, right? If only we can get a vaccine from Oko, but that might come tomorrow. <laughs> More to come. Seems very likely. <laughs> cool, cool. Anything new with you? Ah, uh, no. It's just that. Just uh, I haven't played a lot of Magic online because I've committed too much time to Cyberpunk. Yeah. So that's the, the new Keanu Reeves video game. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Over like a hundred hours. Oh my god! Nice. See that could, be, <laughs> that could be time dedicated to playing Magic and then thinking about Magic. I'll, I'll wait to see if they start banning some stuff and making the game a little more fun. Yeah. Well, Sydney and I did pick up some pre-release kits, so I think after the podcast we might do a little uh, little sealed one v one. Yeah, so like uh, of Calvin. Yeah, yeah, it's out now. So uh, we'll yeah. talk about that. See if there's anything in there that's playable. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and that is on the docket. As for myself, I've not played too much Magic. Uh, I feel like Wizards is like really bad at scheduling events for people that are US based. Uh, like I mean, case in point, I'm never waking up at five AM on a Saturday <laughs> yeah. to play the magic tournament. Also the eight AM Sunday challenge is a little rough and then I know that the tournament you did very well in was on a Thursday morning at eight AM and most of us with like nine to five jobs <laughs> can't do that and I'm yeah. not I'm not taking a vacation day off of work to sit in my office and play mode all day. So I definitely would have if I had some. <laughs> I, so I right. I did it once and it was pretty nice to like be hanging out I'm like, fuck it, I'm not working, I'm gonna play magic, mm-hmm. but it's just like 
I don't know. I also, like, I'd rather... So, like, I would do it if there was, like, a big event here in Arizona. Um, but it's hard for me to, like, get excited about sitting in front of my computer for eight hours. I'm just, like... I'm not built that way. Like, I don't put 100 hours into a video game. <laughs> but, but, like, I was hesitant to play the prelims the other day. Really? Like, oh, I gotta play four rounds in a row. Like, <laughs> like I said, dude, I started a league four days ago, and I'm two matches in. Oh, that's funny. So... I like playing at my leisure, especially when it comes to online. I don't like the commitment. I mean, obviously, like, Eternal Weekend, which we've touched on many times, like, that was just a fucking blast. I don't think you were in the discords with us. Did you even play that? Or? No, I didn't play Eternal Weekend. Uh, I go, like, off and on on Magic. Uh, sometimes, like, I'm not feeling the format as much. And at that time, I wasn't having that much fun. Yeah. And so if I'm not having that much fun, I'll just stop playing for a couple months. And then when I come back, I'm kind of reinvigorated. Yeah, recharge uh, batteries. That makes sense. Yeah, but, like, so I, I definitely have some gaps in Magic. Uh, so, like, like Eternal Weekend was a lot of fun because, like, a bunch of the homies joined in and, like, we were in Discord sharing our screens, talking to each other and, like, nice. all day, right? Because it was, like, eight, nine rounds. Um, but I, I like the in-person play a lot, so. Yeah. I, I miss that so much. I, I can't wait. It's still going to be a few more months to where oh. we're back at ADG every Wednesday, Friday. Hopefully, right? <laughs> That's a little, uh, little plug for ADG. Like, <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you for hopping on with us today, uh, Jake. We really appreciate it, and we're excited to hear about your uh, your very uh, impressive top eight finish a little bit later. Uh, but first off, uh, I think this weekend, I think Friday, right? Like today's Sunday, so Friday, Caldine Cal- came out. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it pronounced? Cal- Caldine? I think so. Caldine? That's, That's what I've been saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds right to me. So let me ask you this before we get into the cards that like we like kind of cherry picked to talk about. Like overall assessment of this set. Like what do you think about it? You know, I know that some really crazy sets come out in the last few years that have really impacted Legacy. Um, what is like your overall just like thousand foot view of this format? Or, or this set? Like its potential impact for like Legacy? So, alright, so you can go, no, you go for it. Okay, I really like the set. Uh, I think there's like probably like zero to two or three legacy playable cards, which I think is a good power level. But uh, I, I like just like modern set design where so many of the cards are modal and have like a bunch of different things, you know? Like, like the limited environment isn't like a bunch of just like vanilla cards, you know? It's like the cards aren't broken, but they're interesting and you can do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think they did a really good job with this. Uh, Valkyrie seems like pretty cool for the format. It's a little dangerous. And that if it's really good, it's actually making more bad gameplay. So, like, it's fun to have new stuff, but also it's kind of like a, like a semi-one-shot combo that's only going to be played in fair blue shells. So that's yeah. a little dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the art. I mean, after packing some packs. <laughs> I like the art. Yeah, it look, the cars look great. Uh, the art looks cool. I was a little bummed that in this Viking set or this set that's supposed to take in that like place Norse, in that area, Norse like, mythology... Yeah. Uh, we don't have any Vikings. I know they're all berserkers, but or like dwarfs, dwarfs. Warriors. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. You just said it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're all berserkers. I'm like, oh, I want a Viking. I just want some like creature type Viking, and then that would have been kind of more fun than just a berserker. And then there's like the random one or two Phyrexians. Yeah. So I like, that. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I think it is a more like watered down set, which is nice, so that there's only a few cards that might go into these eternal formats. If people really theory craft and like play around with them, uh, we'll we'll wait to see as, as the next few months go on and actually play more and more with these cards if sure. they actually start warping the format. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, I kind of agree. Like I don't think, but I don't know. Like if you think back on it, right? Like a lot of the cards that have really like dominated Magic over the last few years, like thinking of like Dreadlord Arcanist, Uro, Oko, like 
No one like immediately in Split yeah, Scene was like, this card's gonna break People Legacy. People knew Dreadwood Arkness was great the moment that, uh, that came out. I, I don't know, because I remember... Fucking... I knew it was great. So it was good. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was good, but like a lot of the argument is like, it does nothing the turn it comes out. Like a lot of people will will use that to invalidate a card, and I remember like Dreadboard was kind of a slow creep. Obviously now like Dreadboard is just absolutely insane. It's like one of the best creatures. But I remember when it came out, people were starting to get on the bandwagon, and like they're like buying foils for like five bucks because it was like not really like broken just yet. And then Uro, like Uros were like twenty bucks for a little while, like fifteen bucks. And even Oko, I thought Oko was a bad Planeswalker when it was, I was like, oh, no good Planeswalkers in, in uh, what is it, Thrones? Mm-hmm. Thrones of Eldraine. I was like, oh, there's no good Planeswalkers in this. And then, like, the best Planeswalker ever was printed itself. <laughs> um, but, so, like, I, I, I say that to say that um, I don't think there's really any crazy broken cards, which, you know, to Jake's point, I think is a good thing, right? Because we've had so many format warping or format defining cards come out in the last few years that, like, I do like having new Legacy playables, but I also don't like them being the best cards in Legacy, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. a new card coming out that changes the strategy of a deck or, like, reinvigorates, like, breathes new life into a new deck. Love it. Like, Skyclave Apparition, perfect power level, great card, and it's, you know, it helps out D&T, right? But, so, like, I mean, some of the Oko stuff, just a whole nother level. Yeah. But, um, I do agree with Jake, though, that, like, this new set, there's a lot more text on the cards, so they're a lot more complicated. Yeah, uh, and it, it's going to take some time for people to figure it out. I know Jake like mentioned one new card that I had to read like three or four times, and I still don't <laughs> and then we just gave up. I on don't know. What it I also did. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, I, I felt like a week of preparation for that one. Yeah, time. we <laughs> delegated Jake to talk about the card. We didn't understand it. But there's just so much text. I would love somebody doing that analysis to see if there's more words per card compared to all the other like sets before or Magic's time that this probably takes the cake. Yeah. I think somebody might have actually done that. I, I do believe that sets are getting more and more, more text word, more uh, word. card. I'm pretty sure I, I've seen analysis of that. Um, but yeah, like I do like a lot of, like I played some Zendikar Rising. I do like the modal flip land kind of idea because like it fixes mana stream, mana flood, which mm-hmm. is always the most unfun part of Magic and like For Limited. Sure. Um, but yeah, like the cards have more like flexibility and there's like greater like texture to the format and like what you can do. I mean, there's like probably like 20 flip cards in the set with like gods or equipment or artifacts and stuff. So I think magic is more, it's like, at least from the limited front, it's not just like drafting a bunch of bombs and filler cards that get you there. You have a lot of like cards that like do different cool things as you get to that point. Right. Yeah. And I think this set has some like really cool lands. Like you pulled that, uh. The land that, like, I kind of see it as, like, a build-a-god card. Mm-hmm. It turns a creature into a god, puts some counters on it, and then you use the next ability, and it makes it indestructible, and, like, you created a god, right? Um, and then the world tree, or the tree of the world, that card's just, like, insane. Like, it's obviously not legacy playable, but, like, like the flavor of it is it, like, summons all the gods to the battlefield <laughs> on yeah. your side. Like, it's, it's supposed to weird. take, like, I think it's supposed to be a nod to Yadrasil, or Yadrasil, the, the tree of life in Norse mythology. Yeah, oh, yeah, but it seems yeah. so, right? Um, cool. So, I know we touched on Valky already. I think Jake mentioned it, but, like... Well, we, what does it do? I don't... Like, he said Valkyrie. But like, it's got... Valky. Like, Valky's got 17 paragraphs there. I don't... <laughs> so, what... How is this going to be... But do you play this side? I don't think it's about that side. I think it's about the, the, the Tabalt side, right? Yeah, so it's really cool because the, the main goal is to cascade into the, the seven mana Planeswalker. But the front side of the card is also totally serviceable. Uh, which, like really gives it, like, a good amount of game, you know, and that your combo card, standalone, like, definitely isn't the card you play on your own. Uh, but, like, when paired with it is, like, a totally fine fallback. 
Okay, so okay, so Valky is uh, two drop. He's one black, one colorless. When he enters, each opponent reveals their hands. Uh, for each opponent, exile creature card they reveal this way until Valky leaves play. And then you can pay X to make Valky a copy of one of the creatures that you exiled, where X is the CMC of that creature. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm like 90% sure, I assume by that wording, that if you make it a copy, they don't get it back if it dies. Because uh, it's no longer... It's exiled. Yeah, it's exiled. Valky. Yeah. Well, because when he dies, those cards are no longer exiled, right? Yeah, it's still exiled. Uh, so, so it's still exiled, but but it, I think it's contingent on the card being Valky when it dies. Okay. So, so I think if you copy it, instead of it being like a Tide Hall Skull where they get it back, it's just gone for good. Uh, which, like, is kind of sweet, especially against, like, lower CMC creature decks that they're put in a, in a situation where they need to, like, immediately answer to get the, uh, the yeah. Valky, yeah, to, to get their card back. I mean, I'm, like, even if you cast Valky for two, and then they reveal a Dreadful Rockness, boom, you got yourself a Dreadful Rockness. Well, you gotta pay two, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but still, like, whatever, like, if you're not doing anything, or you Or really, how would that work with that? That's powerful. You, pay, you just pay three, and you have yourself an Earl. But it wasn't escape, so it would go to the graveyard, right? No. No, because no, that's only ATV. Yeah, it, it just stays there. Oh, because you're not casting it. Yeah. Right, It's yeah. like when you cast it, but it's not escape. That's beautiful. Like, I would love to have a, a turn two Uro. Okay. <laughs> and even in even late game, it's even better, right? Because if you cast him and then activate him and clone a creature quick, yep. right? Because he's a 2-1 body, so he, he dies pretty quickly, but... So and, like, then, yeah, and then you get rid of Uro. Get rid of their, like, turn three play. Like, oh, shit, you're playing against Rug. You get rid of that arrow. You have yourself an arrow. They have to answer Valky that turn when you pass the turn. Otherwise, you're going to attack with a 6-6, six, six, draw okay. a card, gain three life, and play land. So he's not bad. He's cool. But I like the, the big yeah, thing I, I like the design a lot. Val- really yeah, Valky's cool. not terrible. So if you draw him, you can cast him. Like, not a total loss. But as you mentioned, however the rules are, because I know the rules have changed with some of the cards, because I know like the commit to memory like or like the split cards, like they changed it. Mm-hmm. Where you couldn't do it a certain way, but apparently, if you cascade into this with like Shardless Agent, which is like historically the way you would cascade in Legacy, unless you're getting really janky with like Vine Up or Burst, um, <laughs> you can cast this seven drop Tybalt, which is the backside of Valky, right? And so he, it's a Planeswalker five loyalty, again, seven drop, so technically unplayable in Legacy if you're trying to cast him. Uh, he has a static effect. As he enters the battlefield, you get an emblem. Oh, well, it's not static, but when he enters, you get an emblem with, you may play cards exiled with Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, and you may spend mana as though it was mana of any color to cast those spells. His plus two, exile the top card of each player's library. Minus three, exile target artifact or creature. Minus eight, exile all cards from all graveyards and then add three mana. So, yeah, I, 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 I fail to see the payoff in this. Like, yeah, you can cast some stuff, maybe, but... I, the one benefit of this guy is that he protects himself with the minus three and he doesn't die. So if, if you cascade into it, you have a shardless to block or attack with haste. And then you kill a creature? Oh, yeah, and then you can kill their creature, and then, like, he's still alive and you can't... can't land red last him. I think this could be seriously powerful. Uh, in the current format, not so much. You know, it, it's like... If you're paying three mana right now, you probably want it to be like Uro, Oko, Teferi, Narset, or Holbrook, just something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think the current format is is going to be kind of like here to stay for good. Um, and, and, and in a future iteration of Legacy, I could see this being just like very good, you know, because you can put it in probably like a bug shell um, where you're already just doing like a powerful mid-range game plan and then having kind of like an 
basically I win button against all the fair decks. Against combo, yeah, it's uh, it's probably not where you want to be. Um, but against the fair decks, it's like having just like a passive threat of like this is gonna win the game and you can't pyro blast it. Uh, I think is just really strong. We will see, I guess. <laughs> I think it like it bugged. Like now, it just want makes me want to play Shardless. So it was, yeah, it, it could come back. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. It seems a little unlikely, but it seems very possible. Yeah, sometimes. it's not gonna be tier one. It'll be. It like, seems like it'd be fun though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who are these mythics? Yeah, from the new yeah. set. <laughs> uh, next up is another Tybalt card. Um, I've seen some lists pop up online around like modern playability. I think some standard stuff, and of course, we're talking about Tybalt's trickery. Um, you want to take this one? Yeah, I think we're talking about it like precast that I and some of the other legacy podcasts are mentioning that there could be a, a deck built around this where you cast violent outbursts, only have four violent outbursts for these, so it'll cascade into this, counter it, and then the uh, your payoff will be uh, Emrakul. Emrakul. <laughs> very loose deck. Very loose deck. It's like a glass cannon deck, right? Yeah, but it, it works. <laughs> like if, I mean, it works. Like so. Okay, so what does Tibble's trickery do? Like, how does it work, Sydney? So what you'll do is like Tibble's trickery is like one color is one red instant counter target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. You mill those those cards, whatever it's one, two, or three, and then you uh, what does it say? Exile the top of your library until you exile a non land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put that ex- those exiled cards. The bottom of their library in a random order. So, so the idea is to counter your own spell. And so you cascade in that, and you cascade, or you counter the violent outburst, and then you get uh, chemical. Does that not work? Do the theory? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's confirmed. <laughs> so what would happen if you had another Timbal's trickery though? Because you can't like you would just cast like it would fizzle right you can't cast it yeah so you can only play one Tybalt's trickery so four by an outburst one Tybalt's trickery four Emrakul no that's too loose 47 nah. so yeah, if you if yeah. you exile the top card and do an online card with a different name than yeah it would just like counter Tybalt's trickery yeah so then you would so this is what you do it'll counter this Tibble's trickery. You can't have it counter itself. You have to counter the the, the violent outburst. So then, it, so the trigger on the sec, then it would counter the violent outburst, and then you do it again. No, because you cannot hit violent outburst again. Then you just keep going to hit Emrakul. They right? must cast a card without paying its mana. It has to be a different card. So if you've already cast violent, if you've already countered violent outburst, you cannot hit. You cannot cast violent outburst off this again. They may cast. See, this is too much. Like, I, I'm not sitting in <laughs> This bed. card's not good, so yeah. don't worry about it. Like, All right, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> but yeah, like, so, like, in, so, like, in standard, I guess what people are doing is, like, they're casting Stone Cold Serpent on turn two for zero, and then countering it with this, and then t- pseudo-cascading into Ugin. Or, like, there's a modern deck where they Vine Outburst into uh, this, and then hit Emrakul. But... So then just fill the deck with, like, uh, those cards. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I actually okay. Hold on. So, uh, we're definitely not a modern uh, cast, but okay. So here's the one. Li- okay, so yeah, it's running one. Yeah. Uh huh. So it is super glass cannon. It is. Oh, yeah, pulled up nice. Four. So it's eight non-land cards, and then fuck 50, 52 lands. <laughs> See, I watched. I watched the stream uh, in progress while it was happening. How did it go? 
It actually went pretty well in nice. modern. Uh, I believe that I believe that he had a positive record. Uh, so this yeah, is the Yama the killer, modern. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I've seen some players change it up and have like a like a primeval titan sideboard where you side into like a somewhat like real primeval titan deck out of the board, which is kind of cool. Okay. But having said that, I don't know anything about modern, so I am not the guy to listen to about anything about modern. So I, there's I an open little. window for people to play around with these cards. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how, how much Gemstone Cavern enables the turn two violent outburst. Because mm-hmm. if it's in your opening hand and you're on the draw, right? <laughs> uh, there's so much. Jank. If I want the full four, honestly, it seems right. seems really yeah, good. There's so many other lands that getting red green X. Uh, if you're committing to it, why not? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Cheap way um, to get into legacy. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe also with legacy. I don't Someone know. can. <laughs> Innovate with that. <laughs> modern, modern, I can, I can see it. Legacy, I, uh, I would not suggest. I think there's better. Yeah. Well, I think if you, in, in in Legacy, like we now have what is it the uh, the glass t- cannon deck of uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Oops, spells. Oops, all spells, right? And it's like a good, it's a good deck. I think that deck is quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I play a deck that that on paper is very good against it, and it's getting me quite often. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, like. The the deck is actually very scary. Yikes! So I think I think so far we're you know zero for two on what we think is playable. I I, I think Valky might be okay, not legacy playable though. Tibble Trickery I think it's not really does not have a home in legacy. Okay. Would you guys agree? Uh, yeah, I, I would say Tibble Trickery for for sure is a no go. And I will just say I hope that there's crackers <laughs> out there that will oh there will be people yeah. there will be people get a five zero finish guys. Right, right, exactly. I don't know if you can dodge any deck of Force of Will for that long. Yeah, yeah. Could you play Chalice in this thing too? No, because it'll just hit the Chalice. So you can't actually play anything. No, play, but the cast play Chalice for zero. Which down is... to the Chalice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but if there's any Chalice in your deck, it'll flip that over instead of ever oh, yeah. like half the time. Um, you could also play it a very just as a red counter spell, I guess, to like uh, counter their payoff spell. But I would yeah. not advise that. Yeah, that yeah. Bad. I'll counter your show and tell and let you cast it into Emrakul. <laughs> and get the trigger that time. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hopefully you just hit a ponder. All right, so I don't think this card's playable either, really, but like, I guess there was a little interesting interaction that happened today for one of our buddies, uh, Tony Marotta, in the challenge. Yeah, yeah, into play was streaming today, and uh, his opponent played the Redain card, which is the... The snow hate card that makes snow lands enter the battlefield tap. And it actually worked perfectly for Tony, where he had nine mana worth of cloud post in play and Ulamog in hand. And so he needed to land, and he top decked the fetch land to be able to get a basic forest, because Tony chose to play basic forest instead of snow covered for the bluff. Ooh. And that gave him exactly ten mana to Ulamog. Uh, and if not, his opponent had at least Richard Import, and they might have had a wasteland unlocked as well. Wow. Uh, so, so, so playing the uh, the basic forest actually did get Tony the ma- did get Tony that match, and like the equity from that is like probably worth more than a snow bluff over like many tournaments <laughs> in oh, yeah. a row, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, while the card doesn't really seem legacy playable to me because there's like a lot of really good three drops in DMT and just in general in Legacy Day there's so many like really good three drops. Um it's interesting because if just a small number of players choose to play it, but like like the bluff equity of Snowlands I think is like really small anyways. Yeah. That like it might have done its job. Even though everyone is kinda like like laughing at this card when it came out, you know, and they're like, this is the Snow Hate card. Uh 
it, it might end up being just enough. Uh, I hope so, because I would love to go back to regular basics. Yeah, uh, same. And, and this is also like, I mean, so it is a, it's one of the modal gods that flips into the legendary artifact, but also like, the rest of its text is not necessarily relevant either, right? Like, uh, non-creature, when, when this is in play, non-creature spells your opponent casts with CMC 4 or greater cost 2 more to cast, right? So, I think that's solid against Ad Nauseum. Mm-hmm. I think it's solid against Tendrils of Agony. Um, and some of the other... <laughs> I'm failing to think of other cards. Force of Will. Force of Will. Force of Will. It costs two to cast Force of Will. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's a defense card. Okay, interesting. Well, the defense card is three, but... Yeah, Force of Will. Yes, this is great. It's like, like, Oh, you said <laughs> no, no, yeah, we got to pay two more. Sorry, it's like a weaker defense grid. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is actually not bad. And it was D and T that he played against, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see like dedicating one or two for the sideboard, sideboard slot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not main board. Is the equip? Is the artifact relevant? I can't Prevents one damage if a source would deal damage to you. Huh. Yeah. Whenever one of your permanents uh, becomes the target of spell. Ability, they, it counters unless they pay one, so mana tithe. Okay, so, so the other half is actually like solid against Storm. It, it's actually way better against Storm than the other half, right? Oh, because you got to pay one for each uh, uh, copy of Storm? Yeah, or yeah, whenever it becomes a target. Okay, yeah. so that, that's actually kind of cool. So this card might see, I think this might, so far, the three cards we've looked at, this maybe, you know, we might start seeing this as a one of the sideboard. Yeah, but like, it's strong if, if, if they get to turn four and they know you're playing D&T and they kind of suspect, they're not going to let you get to four. Well, sometimes they don't have a choice. Oh, okay. I know Thalia, turn two Thalia is kind of a, a hindrance on... Uh, oh, yeah. And then if, if you can, like, slow roll them until you get to turn four and cast this, then yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my concern is that a three mana you're competing with Sanctum Prelate, which, which just like, like yeah, like for the decks that this is good against, I think Prelate is better by like by a lot, probably. You know, yeah. like personally, like against me, like Prelate is like super good, like it's close to unbeatable. Um, and so yeah, I just think people would almost always rather play Prelate than this card. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You have a point. Um. I do like that it does uh, combat forcible and stuff like that. I didn't realize it until you said that. Yeah, that is cool. Sweet. Um, but yeah, Tony won through this card. Cause, so, so snow basics are no longer strictly better. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> true. Maybe that's good enough. You know, just oh, to, yeah. to unlock the regular is going to be fantastic. So here, the next card is the Oh, this one is the card you were worried about, right? my brain mm-hmm. to shut down. What is it called? Jake, you can take these ones. This is Kosama, God of the Voyage. Uh... This card is really hard to evaluate. I, I think the card could end up, like, being backbreaking on the format and being, like, a card that makes everybody very unhappy. Or I think the more likely outcome, the outcome that I'm rooting for, is that it doesn't really see any play. Uh, so, so basically, it, it's, a, it's a three drop, two and a blue. It's a two four, so, like, dodging bolt is pretty huge. Um, it's a legendary god. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can exile it. And then if you do, it gains whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control. If Kosama is exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. If you don't, return Kosama to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. So the card's interesting because, like, I feel like in Legacy, if you want to play just, like, a true control deck where you don't lose for a long time, I think you can definitely do that. You know, you just play some, like, Source of Plowshares, maybe some, like, 
Drowning the Locks. I like Esper. I know it's not a super popular combo, but I think Esper is still quite good. Um, like some, or once the green cards maybe are, are less dominant. Like, like some Drowning the Locks, Six Forces, uh, like Baleful Strikes or something. And you can make the game go very long. And if you want to do that, like, you play this on three. If they don't kill it right away, you can make it come back as, like, a 6-8 that draws you four cards. Um, which is, like, the, the floor on this card is not terrible. You know, like, like it's a three-mana card um, that dodges some amount of removal. And so they might get a mana advantage on you sometimes. But the floor is not terrible. And it pitches the force. The ceiling on this card is sky high. The ceiling on this card is literally win the game. It, it, it's, it's like like a card for three mana that's six, eight, draw four cards. Or maybe even draw more. Maybe draw six cards. You know, there's, there's literally no limit. Um, so, like, just the fact that this card has not the worst ceiling, or not, not the worst floor, certainly not great, not the worst floor, but, like, a sky-high ceiling, I think is very interesting and also very scary. So, in, like, this would go in a control deck, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think... There's probably any other shells for it, other than like a pretty hard control deck, I would say. But then my question is that, <clears throat> play one of, two of, how many of these guys are you going to be running around in the deck? One to, one to two seems appropriate, yeah. Because uh, like, like back when Mentor was, was popular, like I think two was the, the most common number, I'd say. I think two to three. Yeah. Um, I mean, plus it's not completely dead because it is a blue card. No, yeah. I, I do agree that like if this is going to be your win con and you have one or two, you can wait to just keep playing your land drops, pass go, pass go, and eventually, when you want it to be a big beast, Crack of all these lands. Draw all yep. these cards, and like, look, now deal with my, like, six, 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 eight. And the four cards that you're and protecting. The, yeah. yeah, and it's uncounterable. Like, like once, once it's resolved the first time, when it comes back, you don't even cast it. It just appears, and the trigger goes in the stack. So, like, the uncounterability uh, later on is very good. Interesting. And it, it, kills, it kills Thalia's. It, kill, it blocks Dreadhordes, but it doesn't kill them. But it's oh, still, yeah, it will it's kill a Dreadhorde with one counter. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like if you play it on three and then you pass, yeah. anything attacking into you that like early in the game, you can kind of block. Yeah. It's a 2-4. Yeah, and especially game one, like like any Delver player can tell you how hard it is to beat just like a single Tarmogoyf, right? It's yeah. like any creature somebody plays out of bolt range, you have a serious problem. Mm-hmm. And so games two and three, it gets substantially weaker because they're bringing in three to four pyroblasts usually but like game one this card you know uh it, it's pretty hard to deal with all right so the flip side of it is a legendary artifact vehicle a two drop the omen keel a legendary artifact vehicle i don't know if this is playable <laughs> so it's uh it's one blue one colorless whatever a vehicle you control deals combat into a player that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library you may play lands from among those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and it's crew of one for three. three. No, it's not, it's not playable. Yeah, like I, it's so like I, I like the flavor. Like I guess this like boat goes and conquers land or something. Like other you know, but it's not good. I don't I don't know. What do you guys think? No, I mean we're but, playing it for the god, right? You're playing it in a control matchup as a win con slash draw engine. That's it. All right. Uh, we fully expect you to brew with this deck. <laughs> I probably will, yeah. but I, I'm torn. I wasn't even going to talk about the card because I know a lot of people have called it unplayable and like not even rated it for Legacy, and that's why I wanted to stay because I feel like either it's like a really bad gameplay experience that everybody would just not want in the format, or it's unplayable, and so I would prefer that nobody even tries to break it because I think that it's just like 
a negative free roll where I can do very bad things, but it can't do anything good for the sure. format. So I, I am hoping that the card is not playable. I would I would be very happy if it was not. Well, I will add that you know you do want to take Jake's assessments with a grain of salt because he is the same guy that thought Brian Born Cutthroat was broken in Legacy. So for a period of time, Brian Born Cutthroat was actually quite good in Legacy. Um, I don't even know what that card does. Uh, so it's a two-one flash, one in the blue. Whenever you cast a spell, what is it, on your opponent's turn? I think so. Uh, it's funny, you get a plus one, plus one counter. So there was a window in Legacy. He's where like, it's a better tournament. <laughs> I had a 65% winner of that deck. <laughs> no, I, now I know what it is, because it was, it was a staple in Flash Spirit, or in Standard. It was right. Like, yeah. And also Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> in Legacy. Yeah. With only me. You know, there, there was a time in Legacy where actually playing like a counter control strategy, I think was like, one of the most underrated things you could do, and yeah, like like basically like nobody else really played it, but like you beat combo very well, and you also had a good Delver matchup. Yeah, because uh, I think it's out of control if you're just playing at their their turn. Yeah, it's yeah, no, I, I know. In in standard, it was it was a beater. That little guy would get so big because he would just flash in like creatures or spells. Cast and a just, couple spells, counter something. It's a yeah. four or five. It's out like, of control. Yeah, you play your land. <laughs> Pass, they don't do anything, then you flash in something and that thing gets bigger and you just keep on making that guy huge. Maybe there's like a Brightborn deck with it. I don't, you know, I don't know. No. I, I don't think Brightborn's playable since we got Brazen Borrower, which is just like such a massive upgrade. Yeah. But I do think for like literally two months, Brightborn was actually very solid. Had a chance. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so I think this is the second to last card we have to touch on. Uh, this is Realm Walker. Uh, one green, two colorless. It's a two-three shapeshifter. Uh, it has changeling, so it's every creature type. As Rumwalker enters the battlefield and chooses a creature type, you may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. So, like, I think you mentioned this might be like an engine in elves. Maybe, yeah. I, I can't talk too much about this card because I think I've played one league with elves in my entire life, uh, so I, I am no authority on elves whatsoever. Uh, I've heard people say it possibly could be something they want. It's like like Green Sun Tutor, you know, it's it's often nice to just have a one of. Um, but yeah, that's for them to say. I, I, I'm not sure that's yeah. where they want to be. And three mana is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I think the top of the curve outside of being uh, outside of eight, it's like two with Elvish Visionary, which mm -hmm. is like immediate payoff and drawing yeah. a card. Drawing two with a glimpse, but this is a cool card. I do like it. It's like a weird coarser effect. Mm -hmm. But for creatures I like the coarser effects a lot in general. I think those are very fun to play with. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Wallmocker is pretty cool, but I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I'm like hard-pressed to, to say any of the cards we've evaluated yet. I will say this. I think there will be more people playing with Tibble's Trigger over that. Over Probably, the, yes. No way. No yeah. chance. <laughs> I, 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 was, I want to take the under on that. <laughs> And then the last card we have, which is probably the least exciting, but probably most likely to potentially see Legacy play, is Weathered Runestone. Uh, you want to take this one? Dude, I didn't even know that thing existed. Why did you ask me? <laughs> okay, well, uh, <laughs> it is a artifact for two mana. Non-land permanent cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield. Players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. I mean, isn't it just the same as a... What's the one drop artifact? Was this Crafter's Cage? Yeah, it's in cage. Crafter's Cage. Yeah, like, but also, like, uh, like decks like Eldrazi can't play Crafter's Cage. 
because they play Chalice. So this is good for Chalice decks that want that effect. So again, this might be this is strictly a sideboard card, but the two CMC is relevant for the decks that would want that ability, I guess. It's also good against Curse Stompy because instead of creatures, this is non-land permanence. So, if you play against a lot of Curse Stompy, this card oh, actually is quite good against them. The stupid curse that lets them tutor for other curses, they can't do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, Grab Theory's Cage is the only creature. This is non-land permanence, which very rarely comes up. Funny I think, enough. I think Curse Stompy is one of the only decks I can think of, but there are decks that, uh, yeah. that it could do something to. So, funny enough that you bring that up. So, like, uh, the little buddy Tony Hare and I, uh, we, he came over a couple weeks ago, we played some leagues. And we played Curse Stompy back to back. <laughs> we were like, "What the hell? What is Legacy right now? Like, what is this meta?" Because like our opponent, I think they opposition agent us each match. Like, where? What the fuck's going on? And then they cursed us out, and it was like the most bizarre thing to play such a weird fringe deck back to back. And then we got the even we got, we got the terrible idea to like, you know what? Let's play this in a league. <laughs> so after that league, we played Curse Stompy, and it was really terrible. Yeah, because it is. <laughs> The deck is so cool, though. Like, whenever I see it in action, I'm just like, this is so cool and creative. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when it does its thing, it's cool, but it doesn't do it often enough to be good. No. I mean, I, I'm more excited just playing the two-drop uh, to, to bolt. Okay. I feel like yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, hey, look it. We live in a world where people are playing, like, Kark the Thumbless in Run Delver. Uh. So it's Tibolt's... actually put some results too. Yeah, it has. Uh, I think I think I think uh, Kark has a couple top eights. I want to say. Oh yeah. my god! Keep going, Kark, because I got some like sh uh, foil showcases that I want to <laughs> play. Got a place of those guys. I've also seen so Kark <laughs> deny the not double the spell more than I've seen it double uh, double the spell. Yeah, it's how. Well, I've had someone like have to return three islands with days against me before, <laughs> just to daze me or like force me, force me, and like I don't know. But... Legacy players are an interesting bunch, so I'm sure all of these cards will see some some play in some capacity at some point in Legacy. Except for Tibalt's Trickery. Jeez. All right. Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. Yeah. Damn man over here. I believe that you might play one league with him, but I do not believe you will play two. Oh. I will play no leagues with him. I will let the other folks out there play it. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Um... Cool, so that's kind of our assessment of uh, Keldime. And I think it's good that Legacy gets like some time to breathe and not have new overpowered cards join. Mm -hmm. so, Agree, definitely. Hopefully Keldime's fun for limited play, people enjoy playing it, uh, and it doesn't really have any impact on Legacy for that much. Okay. Um, we could have talked about Vorinclax or whatever, but I don't think Vorinclax is very good in Legacy. He's that big green beater dude. Um and in terms of green beaters, like, you can't really beat Primetime or, like, Crater Hoof if you're trying to, like, cheat a fatty to play. Yeah, I lost this card in the Pioneer Challenge yesterday, but I do not think it's a Legacy card. Yeah. Was, the, what, there, was there an Elish Norn card, or was that, like, a fake card? No, there, there was no Elish Norn, yeah. Okay, just so, I saw, so the, I saw the fake Elish Norn card, and I was like, oh, this is not good. It's like, if you're going to fake a card, why would you make it bad? Yeah. But, <laughs> so... Okay, so uh, before we have a so the next topic is and uh, Jake Jake is very adamant that this card will be gone very soon. How much longer does Oko have in Legacy? One day. <laughs> so what do you think? Right, so today is January the thirty first. So usually they they announce ban. So like Wizards recently like was like in the last year they were like they don't have the set BNR announcements. It's just whenever they feel like it. Right? Yeah, it could happen. Anytime, any day. 
Yeah. And it's right now, money. during this podcast, Oko could be banned by the end yeah, of it, yeah. and we're talking about it this could, It could. <laughs> but usually it's on a Monday, right? Typically, yeah, yeah. That's the most common. So what are your... So he says one day. Before we get into his thoughts, what do you think? I think it'll be midsummer. You think that Bro, long? Yeah. You think it'll be that long? Whoa. Whoa. So... I, I personally am surprised that Oko isn't already banned. Okay. But I do feel that Oko will be banned very soon. I would say, if not tomorrow, within the next month. Okay. By the end of February? Okay. Yeah. I, like, I, I think Oko has definitely outworn his welcome. I mean, Jake was mentioning that there are already some, like, premier le- uh, streamers that are already, like, cutting down their Oko to, like, slowly transition into... They're prepping for the inevitable. ...post-ban <laughs> like, legacy life. Yeah, and that's what's concerning to me is that I am not sure if banning Oko solves the problems of the format, uh, which is the concerning thing. That, that yeah, like, like I mean, Oko's impact on the metagame has just been huge, right? Like, basically, decks that lose to Oko do not exist anymore. Well, like, you can basically play a deck that, like, needs to answer Oko, but can do so pretty easily, right? So, basically... For the most part, I think you have Pyroblast decks that get a big mana advantage playing against Oko, and combo decks that want you to have Oko, and I think there are very few decks anymore that don't fall into yeah. one of those two categories. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the card is super good, but it's it's so good that that it's made itself where you can, I guess, play less copies, uh, where most people still still play it in almost every fair shell. Uh, but yeah, it does seem that people. Or dropping down to like one or two instead of three. That's wild. Um, that, that is quite wild, yeah. And that also is cause for concern because after they ban Oko, well, like, uh, I just saw like one of, one of the most successful Snow Day decks that, that top aided again today played one copy of Oko. And so if they lose a one of, how much does it hurt their deck? Probably not a lot, right? Very, very little. So then yeah. don't ban Oko. I still think that Oko... <laughs> oh, I, 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 I just moved to the devil's advocate. <laughs> Oko is the first step to recovery. Oh, okay, there you go. And I think there needs to be many steps, <laughs> I would say. you have a problem. Yes. <laughs> many steps. Um, yeah, so I, I do think... It, I, I think Oko... And I, I don't think Lacey needs to be fixed, but like you said, right? Like, Oko... So, like, even decks like Reanimator, like... A turn one Grizzlebrand or a turn two Grizzlebrand isn't good anymore because it can't kill them the turn it comes into play, and then the next turn it turns into an elk. So like Oko like invalidates so many strategies, like usually like and while it's an uphill battle, Chalice decks used to be able to fight the fair blue decks by Chalice on one. Pretty tough, right? But no, you just turn into an elk. Like Oko is insane. And like I, and maybe the damage is already done. And that's why people are scaling back on copies because, like, they've already pushed those decks down to where they're just not showing up, right? Right. And maybe the banning will bring those decks back, but Oko has done its damage, and that's why, like, we only need one or two copies because the mere threat of Oko is great enough to where we're not going to run into these decks. But you're just arguing for the fact that if it does get banned, those these those D-gen decks, which I like, I play. I they like would play, come back though because yeah, they know Oko is not. Yeah. Oko is not a, a and possibility. And then everybody's like, "Oh, we need to ban this other card," and it just like <laughs> creates another imbalance. So okay, so if you want to, I'm okay with going back to pre-Oko life, pre-legacy. I mean, I played it; it's fun. I I, I don't know. I've, I I hate Oko because <laughs> Oko okay for three mana. Oko is an answer and a win con, and it just it just does so much. Like for three man, it's insane. It can get you back into the game by getting rid of like their ensnaring bridge, their chalice, 
dealing with an Emrakul, but then it also snowballs into a Wincon by making a fucking army of elks. Or it steals your big-ass creature. Or not your big-ass creature, but like I've had Oko steal my Urzas, which is <laughs> crappy, right? Like Oko is so good for three mana. No, I agree completely. I, I just, I think that like, I think we're making a deal with the devil if we ban him. Okay, so... Of these other D-Gen decks that are like wanting to win on turn one or two... But they, they're always glass cannon. Like in the, and now we have we also have six forces, possibly eight okay. forces. Okay. And Tumult Trickery. Oh, yeah. You don't have a force card. negation <laughs> and force of will. So like blue, fair blue decks have gotten so much upgrades in the last like two years. But okay, so let me ask you this, your perspective on this first before we go to Jake. Um, so you think Midsummer for Oko. You don't think Oko's that bad. What cards would you say should be banned, if anything, in, in Legacy and, you know, or what sh- what else should go with Oko? So I, I'm not saying that like Oko isn't bad. I think he like when he first came out, he really was oppressive. And again, Legacy as a whole didn't know how to deal with him. But now people have like streamlined their decks to find like power blast answers, like mana efficient answers that can deal with the the three drop. So what if I can't play power blast in my non red deck? You gotta play blue and red, man. I don't know if the 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 the, the, uh, you, the mic caught it because you said it under your breath. So you said you gotta play blue and red. Is that, that, that was my color, bro? Was my color? Oh, so okay. like, I I feel like uh, if they do ban it, which I think inevitably will happen, you'll have a rise of other D-Gen decks that like were winning tons of like five O leagues with Black Red Reanimator. You've got, I mean, it's close to your heart. What depths? Depths. So yeah, depths can I mean, become now a big thing. Well, I mean, okay, and then so what will like, happen is now like then they're gonna start saying we need to ban Veil of Summer. Because that's too, like, oppressive. It counters. It, it just, like, I get two for one, then they get up a card. So, okay. Be, so be, there's going to be a new boogeyman. So, like, no matter what, and then, or it'll be, like, Dreadful Arcanist. So, I honestly just hope that, like, if they do ban it, with new sets coming out, we get other cards that take its place. Two Okos for four mana. And it's just two Okos. It'll be the new Valky. <laughs> the Valky's too oppressive. <laughs> no, like, okay, so, like, you mentioned, like, Legion decks. Like, before Oko and, like, a lot of this shit changed, like, the deck that was kind of on the rise was, like, Ant. Like, Ant was starting to put a very sick result. Oh, yeah. like, Ant was doing really well, but then Veil vale kind of put it in check a little bit. Veil vale has fallen off the map, though, and people were crying for it, you know. Yeah, it was, they wanted to ban it, like. like card still sucks. I almost yeah. never see Veil vale anymore. Uh, yeah, I rarely see Veil. Vale. And even the blue green Ami deck that I loved doesn't like that's not even it's like a blue white deck now. So do you think they're gonna start playing more veils if like Oko gets banned or? Well, Voko, Oko and like Veil don't really like. If Oko gets banned, I don't think that incre- increases like the share of Veil decks. Like, because they like... don't combat each other. So okay, so let me ask you this: like, what do you think any else, anything else should be banned? Do you think it should be Oko, or do you think there should be no bans? I don't think there should be any bans. I just think wait like, till summer, then get rid of Oko. No, I, think, I just said, you asked me, like, when it would get banned. I think that'll be enough where people will start, like, falling away from the format, and they might have to ban it just to get more, like, people into the format. Uh, I think with newer cards and new sets, there's going to be other cards that people are going to, like, figure out a way to make another, like, degenerate deck. So you believe in the process. You believe more cards and more sets will allow us to... Yeah, well, that's why I got into Legacy, is that, like, I know this is for the long game. Okay. It's not short-term, like... When long I... game is 2019 through 2021, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we got into it, like, around that time, I think. No, we've been... No, 2019 is when, like, all this War of the Spark crazy shit came out. We've been playing Legacy for, like, six or seven years yeah, now. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that, like, even when that new stuff came in, I didn't say, like, Ban Narset or Teferi. 
I like them as a card. But I think the format changed significantly there. Yeah, I mean, it got faster. Yeah. The threats, like, at, were got lower CMC, no more Jaces at four drops, so now three drop. Threats, like, at th- I think three drop became the new, like, legacy standard where that's, like, where your top end on your threat level is. Unless you're playing, like, Tony's deck where you're, like, ramping up. Yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting perspective. I, I, I feel do, like yeah. I feel like you're with the minority on it. I, I honestly do, but like I'm, I, I play rug. I play blue red Delver. Play rug Delver. Oh, you're part of the problem. That's Black why. red reanimator. <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, I, I feel that reanimators fall off the face of the earth. <laughs> I know, and then if Oko gets banned, it'll come back, and I'm okay. I don't think it'll come back in like that big of droves. Like, yeah. Um. Okay. What do you think? Like, I mean, okay. So, like, if you think Oko is not enough, what else do you think? So let me ask, like. So let's say your dream comes true, Oku gets banned. What is that? Is is that even your dream? Uh, I want more cards banned than that. But at the same time, I mostly agree with you, Sydney, in that I think Oku, in many ways, has been really good for the format because like so many of the decks that have been pushed out are the decks that just want to play non games. Mm -hmm. Um, but like since the era of Oku, Oku, I'm playing basically like. Some of the most interactive magic I ever had. Oh yeah, like, like almost every game these days is high levels of interactivity. Often goes long, tons of back and forth. Your opponent is a very meaningful player in the game. I kind of think that one of the only real problems with Oko is just the homogenization effect. Well, like if if only ten percent of people played Oko, I think the card would be like really good for the format. Um, the issue is that basically everybody plays it, and so I don't think it's so much the gameplay that's the problem. It's that almost everybody has chosen that gameplay. Like something that uh, that I think about a lot is like people are really nostalgic for the past. I would much rather like playing in snow where I pyroblast their Oko as opposed to going back to two years ago when we were getting plow, snap, plow, terminus, plow, snap, plow, yeah. terminus. Like like. These play patterns that are romanticized in the past, I don't think are as fun as people remember them to be. They were not fun. Or counter- exactly, and that, that's the thing. Is like countertop was the most... So countertop boring. miracles was the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that era, I don't think, gets defended a lot. Like, like people love the pre-war era, which I do think pre-war was like, the most hate, fun I've ever had. Death right. like, uh, so I think the answer Yeah, there's is, always something, right? The answer is unbanning. Let's unban Death right. Let's unban Turn two Uro to turn three Uro. Well, then you have treasure cruise in there, so you have like, Oh, but Death Rite, Death Rite combats Uro. <laughs> yeah, it killed, yeah. No. I don't uh, know if it does or just the person with Death Rite Thomas. Whoever, yeah, they were cast. But then you also have the problem of turn two Leobolds again, which are a bitch. I, I mean, honestly, like, okay, so we ban Oko, it happens. What's the next card that needs to get banned? Or, like, what's the next one where everybody's going to rally around? So, I do want to respond to something he said, though. Yeah, go for it. So you mentioned because of Oko, the Oko era, a lot of like the unfun decks, right? Like, so when I think of like, I think of like mono, like mono red prison or the mm-hmm. mono stompy decks. But I think that's an effect of Astrolabe that has changed some of those unfair decks, not Oko, because we live in an era now where you can play a five color deck and have like two duels in your deck. And you're golden. And play Blood Moon <laughs> in your sideboard. So I think a lot of these unfair decks that try and prey on greedy mana bases and stuff, 
and like fair strategies aren't a result of Oko. It's like Astrolabe has made mana so fucking clean and smooth in Legacy that like Wasteland is bad. Like so, mana well, denial. I, is bad. I wouldn't say that. Rug is still like one of the best performers. Sure, sure, sure. That's a strong statement. But but but, it's, but Wasteland is not at its best right now. That's probably true. Wasteland is not at its best, right? So, like, a Wasteland deck isn't very good, like, if you're trying to cut him off mana, because, like, if you're trying to choke me, bro, I'm going to fetch all my planes and use my Astrolabe to cast my blue spells. Yeah. Right? Like, I think a lot of the decks that try and capitalize on greediness have been shut down because of stuff like Astrolabe. And not necessarily Oko. What if we become, like, Legacy becomes a new vintage and we start restricting cards? What if we restrict Oko? I no don't like that. No idea. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't think you can do that to Legacy. Then, I mean, yeah, I agree. And I think if they did, like one of the first cards people would want restricted is Brainstorm. And I think, even though the card is super normal, like Legacy is a Brainstorm format. Like you got to have four Brainstorms. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the cancer format. That That's the allure of it. Uh, yeah. And like, I sympathize with people that don't play the cantrips for like, wanting it to be the other way, but I think that's the draw of the format for so many people that it kind of ceases to be legacy uh, if you get rid of those. So I, I know there's a lot of people that want to, like, ban some combo Brainstorm or Ponder, uh, but I don't think that's the right path to yeah. legacy. So once Ogo gets banned tomorrow on February the 1st, <laughs> what's the next card that, like, everybody's going to be championed to get rid of? So, so right now... Um, I, 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 think, I think the most common opinion right now is to ban Oko and Arcanist in tandem. Um, and I mean, I play a deck before Arcanist, and I agree it should be banned. Like, I'm not just trying to, like, say, oh, power up my deck and weaken my predator. I'm still going to, that's what we should do. That's not all what I'm saying. I agree those two should be banned, but I think they should go even further. Like, I'm not trying to go back to, like, 2018 pre-war, pre-modern horizons. I actually like the new style of Magic gameplay. I like that the game is, like, faster. Um, I like that the game plays more to the board. It took me a long time to adjust. I took a couple hiatuses for a couple months at a time, I think, uh, where just, like, going back to, like, wanting to play Drago, wanting to play, you know, like, Drowning Block and all those other kind of cards. But now that I've kind of, like, understood this is the new normal, I actually really like the direction they've taken the game. I think, like, playing to the board and instead of just, like, drawing the wrong half of your deck, your cards being modal, your cards being proactive, your cards reacting to your opponent... I think has actually been really good for the game. Um, so I've, I've been enjoying that quite a lot. Um, having said that, I, I do think that the, the biggest issue maybe isn't power level, it's just homogenization of the format. That seems to be the real issue. Well, like, even, like, example, like, last weekend's Legacy Challenge, I lost round one to death in taxes. I lost round one, so I should be sad, but I was kind of happy because it was like, sweet, this is like a new like experience. Like I haven't played against D&T in like quite a long time. Yeah. But even though I lost, it was just refreshing to not be locked in the I like... I forgot about Del this deck. Exactly, yeah. Like to not be locked in the Delver-Snow combo kind of paradigm just felt really good. And I honestly think that's what the real issue is, is that people just want variety. Like I honestly think the play patterns are like... Right, better than it used to be. So I like, agree. Yeah, you know, what you're arguing is that like legacy has become more like standard. Where, it's not diverse. <clears throat> well, the, most people want to play the best deck, which right now whatever is rug. Anything that has Oko in it. Oko, <laughs> Snowko, rug. We'll and, yeah. <laughs> but like the reason I fell in love with legacy uh, years ago was that regardless of your deck being tier one, two, or three, people played what they want to play, and I think it's the new influx of players wanting to play the best deck with. 
options like rental services or even the tokens that are, are out there so they can play the best deck. And that's what you're seeing in these big tournaments because you're investing a day of your life, which could be like you could work. If you had a normal job, like SP can't take a day off. Or, I could, but yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. So if you're going to take a day off of work, you're going to pay the, play the best deck. So that's what you're going to see. I honestly think in paper, I don't think there's a ton of people like doling out thousands of dollars for three troughs, three bulks to play rug. It is an interesting perspective now that we're in a digital, like because of the pandemic, we're all online, right? That's a very interesting perspective. Like what would the legacy meta look like if we had big events in paper, right? Because not everyone has three traps, three uh, three bulks, you know, Mm -hmm. playing these decks. So So, Um, yeah, I think like this is a, a, a... a telling of the times of like yeah in digital world people can play whatever they want and if we're getting grinders coming into legacy they're gonna play the best deck yeah. that has the best percentage which is rug so that's why everybody keeps seeing oko 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 and it is boring it is yeah it, i mean it plays for interesting <laughs> matchups where you you do tight play and like one misplay could cost you the entire game and it like you're saying it plays as the board which is i i like because i remember playing legacy back in the day and if you played against a dgen deck They'll get you turn one, two, and then you're just like, all right, let's go to sideboard games two and three, and hopefully what I sideboarded in, you're not going to, like, outbrain me and go a different route, and then I lose there, and then I'm like, all right, let's go to the next matchup. Yeah. So I think I disagree, which is why I do think these cards should be banned. Uh, I know you haven't played me in paper much at all, Sydney, but Esty's played me in paper a ton, and I, for most of my life, like, I play Bruce. That's what I like. And I also care about winning a lot. Well, like, the reason I play Bruise isn't, like, just to do something unique. It's because I believe that, like, there is a way out there. There's a hole in the format where a brew can be the best. Um, I've become just, like, a Delver player because I think Brews are, like, close to dead. And that if your deck is not extremely proactive, which I like playing more mid-range slower strategies, like, you will just get grinded to dust by these shells. And I think that's putting unique pressure on the format and that, like, it seems very hard to do something not centralized around the... Yeah. So, the, like, okay. Kind of no, I play blues, blues, bro. So, okay. <laughs> okay, so it goes, back to some, it goes back to something you said that is always, like, which I think is no longer valid. The, a statement that is said often about uh, eternal formats. Uh, play the deck you like, master your deck, and if you have deck mastery, you can win, right? But I believe in the last few years, like, the power level of some of these cards have invalidated that statement, right? Like, mm-hmm. being the best Depths player, the best Storm player, the best whatever player, right? Like, I feel like you lose percentage points now more and more as they keep printing these huge Haymaker cards. Like, bro, like, look at, like, five, six years ago, Jason the Mind Sculptor was the best Planeswalker in Legacy. Now we have Oko, Teferi, Karn the Great Creator, Narset, uh... Not really that faded. But like you have like so many. So, you so, have you have dread horde every turn. You have uro. Like, so here we go. So six of those cards you mentioned are all blue, pyroblast. Sure, but so like, a lot of the decks that were weak to those would have cyborg slots for pyroblast. But is blast. it good enough? Yeah, you just said it was good enough. No, you, like what I'm saying is like I, I three pyroblast, four pyroblast. Some of the cyborgs I've seen is about five. But like look at that's like la- four. <laughs> <laughs> look at that's like lands, right? I guess they have to splash red, but then they at that point you're you're warping the format around these cards, and that's what is not healthy, right? So when I you think warp the format to where uh, a deck like Loam has to play red strictly for pyroblast, so it can answer the best yeah, deck, or uh, burn of the Gorgwills. You always have red. Well, it's for Punishing Fire. Yeah, but you now you have Pyroblast. But, but you're also a Chalice deck, so it doesn't... 
So fun. then you sideboard at the chalice. So I, like no matter <laughs> what, like there's always going to be this game of like your sideboard's there for your your poor matchups. I don't know. I think you're trying to put a bandaid on like a bullet wound. No, I honestly With that think stuff, like, like if like Oko gets banned, it's going to be the next thing that's going to get so banned. So I okay, but look at like okay, let's say Oko and or because I I agree. I think Oko and Arcanist should be banned. Um, I know there's been some cries for uh, Uro, but I, I think Uro is easily answered in Swords of Plowshares, Caracas, and then like just other ways. Like he's so, slower. There's there's a cost, right? You have but, to have cards in the graveyard. So Dreadhorde Arcanist. What answers Dreadhorde Arcanist? Okay, if you don't, every, well, removal yeah, spell. yeah, every removal sure, spell sure. in like, but, 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 but I don't think that's enough. But, but that's <laughs> Dreadhorde is a must answer. If you cannot answer it, or if I have a counter spell to protect my Dreadhorde Arcanist, you are so fucked. Because abrupt decay, recycling. abrupt decay. You play abrupt decay. Veil of Summer. They're not playing abrupt Veil of Summer anymore. Sure, you just sure, said sure, that. Sure. But I'm just saying. Okay, so Arcanist. I, I think open Arcanist need to go sure. right. So like there are cards that need to be answered the turn they come into play. I if will they're say not, this. also so, so like the because this could get into the weeds. I don't care what they ban. I just feel like no matter what, there's always going to be some boogeyman. Sure. That's so, going to be like, oh, we got to ban this card. And I'm like, all right, uh, uh, are we going to just ban every single card that's good? No, no, no. Until we just like this would be back. two cards since like what Underworld Breach, which was banned very quickly, and then uh, uh, Red and Six, and then before that it was like Death Right, like four years ago now. But, like, Legacy does not see that many bannings, Treasure right? Treasure was banned. Treasure? That was Dick. way before fucking... What about Dick Through Time? That was also a very long time ago. Before like Death six Rite? years ago. I thought Death Rite, like, was, that was banned. Before after. Death Rite. Was it? Wow. It was, like, five, six years ago. That was before I even started. I started in 2015 yeah. or 2016. Yeah. I, I never... So, so look at though. Like, I think Oko and Dreadhorde should be banned. They're fucking, un- like, incredible, like, engines. Like, they're insane. Um, and then from there, we have, what? Uro, which... There is some cost to it, right? Yeah, the first cast is fine, and then they gotta have cards to escape, and if you counter it, they have to get more cards in the graveyard to escape them again. Um, you red blast them, right? Um, Astrolabe is good, but like whatever. But like, I think the format will mellow out a bit if you got rid of Oko and Dreadhorde. Oh, for sure. And then there'll be this new menace, and everyone's like, All there right, wouldn't let's... be a new menace. Rug Dover would still be really good, but it wouldn't be tier zero. You would still so, have a very good deck that I think, has I think Jake 10 mentioned, free counter spells. So Jake mentioned 4 days, 4 force of negation, Jake 4 force of war. the cast. What are the what are the, the winning stats for like uh rug it's like 51%? Uh so, so the last I checked was a week or two ago. Rug is at 52.7 and Snow is at 52.6. So, so by the numbers they're good but not like bragging. Exactly, yeah. But you also have a shit ton of people playing these decks and, and a lot of them aren't good players. And I just told you the reason people are playing this is cuz they're commit like they're going to commit an entire day to a major event so they're going to play the tier the best deck just like in standard, just like in modern, just like in pioneer. But the, but but yeah, but that's the thing you like about legacy that it's not like that. No, so and that's the thing. That's why those numbers are pretty low. It's not if you play standard today, there there's you're going to see like 70% the best deck. And if you play Legacy today, you're going to see 50, 60, 50. So, so like, that's 20% difference. No, that's win percentage. That's not how often you see it. Yeah, it, I can't remember what meta share they, they overall take up. Yeah, I, and I honestly, like, I think, like, you're just seeing a lot of those decks because there's a lot of people playing it. So in the last 30 days... Well, I, I would not use the Goldfish numbers because the way they report those are super distorted. Um, I, I would guess that it's around 40 for those two decks. Having said that, around 40% for, like, some of the best blue decks, I think it's pretty reasonable. You know, it's like, there, there's so many people, myself included, that are so biased in favor of just, like, fair blue. Like, so what's, I'm ten, just basically always what's 10% in uh, MTG Top 8 of the decks? 
Uh, do you see anything that's ten percent, seven percent, six percent, one percent? So four. So Snoko's eight percent. Rug is seven percent. UR is about two percent. So there's nothing that's like, oh my god, fifty percent of the fucking playing field is playing this deck. But I think the problem is what you're seeing is you're seeing these decks and the decks that beat them. So like Death and Texas and Goblins, which are good against Rug Delver. Yeah, uh, and I think you have like play- Show and Tell and Elves, which are good against like Rug Delver and, and so, Snoko. So people that like playing Show and Tell. Uh, Goblin, we have some goblin officiators in the valley. They will sure. play that deck. Until I get that, but you create a format where it's like you play the best deck or the decks that combat it, and that's not healthy. So I mean, goblin, goblin players will always play goblins. I understand that, but you still create a format where it's either you're playing the best deck or the decks that beat the best deck. That's in any magic no. Thing. So please tell me where that's not the case in magic. Well, like, no, you, that's why you would ban some of these cards to make these not so overpowered. When you know that you can sign up for a tournament and I'm going to face Rug Delver and Snowball at least a few times, I'm going to find the deck that preys on them and play that. Or I'm going to play Goblins because I play, like playing Goblins. That's fine. Or I play Elves because I love playing Elves. 3% of people like playing Goblins. I play Blue Red Delver. That's 2%. Sounds like we can agree to disagree on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's probably for the best. Yeah. 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 But, no. from different angles. but in, in the end, like if whatever, whatever Wizards bans, they ban, well, the, the format's going to change to it. And I think no matter what, there's always going to be a boogeyman. People are going to go like call for bannings. Well, like, so like, what is the ban control? Is it, is so this... I, I totally agree with you, Sydney, that, that people are always going to be unhappy about the top cards in the game. But I do think there are certain circumstances, like, for example, Underworld Breach. You know, we got rid of Underworld Breach. And people were unhappy afterwards, but it was still necessary to get rid of Underworld Breach. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from. Is that, yeah, like, realistic, there's almost never a point where everyone's like, this is great. You know, yeah. like, I'm, having, I'm having fun, I love this. You know, so I agree, that's like mostly a pipe thing. So if we look at the numbers of most played cards, it's the- Breach. So, <laughs> so, like, why don't we just ban those? And I don't think we should. But like- Yeah, I, don't, I agree, right? Like, so, like, <laughs> also, okay, so, like, look, you have Forcible Brainstorm Ponder, and then it's a bunch of lands, and then Force of Negation. And the next played most played card is Days Oko, Swords of Plasters, Priority. So you almost have Snoko in this list right here. You almost have like the Snoko <laughs> shell right here. You almost have like Blue Red Delver. That's fine. Blue yeah. Red Delver is a fine deck. Yeah. It's not super oppressive. Um, Lotus Petal, that's funny. I would love to see like the Burrow. number one Blue Red Delver had like uh, Treasure Cruise and see how many people like. I I feel like the reason like those cards got banned like Dig. And Treasure Cruise is that other decks are splashing for that color for it. If we start seeing like people splashing for Oko, then yeah, ban it. Well, I mean, they are. Right Th- that's basically what's happened. <laughs> are, they, are they really doing that? I mean, there, there's that's what Snoko is. There's basically like right there. There's basically like Oko decks and combo decks, and then some people that that still play the normal stuff, but like especially like near near the end of a tournament. Okay, so basically Oko. Again, combo. like if they ban it, I'm okay with it, but Dreadhorde, are people splashing for Dreadhorde? Yes, they started. Really? <laughs> yeah. Dang. Okay, guys. <laughs> Bro, Dreadhorde's an infect now. Is it an infect? It's rug infect. What's oh Dreadhorde? Snow is also started incorporating All right. Dreadhorde into itself. Legacy community, you're banning yourselves out when you're splashing. <laughs> no, Once okay. you start splashing for those cards, then but, it will get banned for sure. Like, I wish I could filter out the lands in this list, Sydney, but like if you look you at the non land cards. To, no, I understand that, but if you look at the non land cards in the first two pages, you have the entire 75 of Oko and Rug Delver. We should ban Ancient Tomb, too. Okay. <laughs> Thoughtsies? You gonna ban Thoughtsies? No. 
Why would you be in Thoughtseize? Because it's uh, 50% of the... But the Shelaton isn't also like... The Sylvan majority. Library? You can't. Why would you ban Sylvan Library? You wouldn't. 18%. Lightning Bolt's 18%. But I guess what we're saying is like some of these cards push so many other cards up into the top to be the most played cards. That, like If you took Oko and maybe Dreadhorde out... Those cards would power down a little bit, and then like it'd be a more even playing field for other decks to come back in the late. And I will agree with you. And I think we'll, what they'll do is they'll, we'll have another most played cards, and everybody. Will That's fine. Out. That's fine. There's always gonna be more played card. And if that more played card is Delver of Secrets, I'd rather have it be that over Oko or Dreadhorde. If you if you ban Delver, that's insane. Well, you're not going to. You ban Delver. Yeah, I think it's like I, I, I'm afraid of. The I think Dreadhorde is a super more powerful card than fucking Delver of Secrets. I, I would agree. Insane. I would agree with you if it wasn't answered by Abrupt Decay, Bold Plow. Cool. They are both. Fatal, they are both push. answered by the same things. And Dreadhorde Archives is way more powerful than Delver Secrets. Do you not agree? I feel like they work in tandem. But even there are decks that don't run Delver that run Dreadhorde. Now I I didn't know that. Like now you guys are awakening my mind, and I'm like getting like blown away the fact that Impact is Dreadhorde Archives is fucking insane. I always feel like people always have the answer to it when I play it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I sometimes. Yeah. But more often than not, they don't. And if well, they don't, it runs out of the... But that's the same with any deck. Like, if Black Red Reanimator, if I don't have the answer to the turn one Grisha sure. Rand... So let's win. put it this way. Like, rug, decks like Rug Delver and stuff have become a deck, a series of must-answer spells. And at some point, you can't answer all of them. That's if a, I'm trying to deal with the, the, the Dread Horde, but then I can't deal with the Oko, I lose. That's the same with, like, your pet deck, the, the Urza deck, the blue Sure, but deck. it but it also is a glass cannon deck. I, don't know, I played against you a couple times in paper, and that shit is so hard to deal with. Sure. Urza, Karn, even, yeah. like, the... You still, like, you gotta get the four mana. <laughs> Which is not that hard. So <laughs> Anyways, I feel like we could talk about this forever. For It'd be a circle thing. So, um, like, Wizards, if you ban it, that's cool. If you don't, whatever. Like, <laughs> okay, hey, the, like, the game is going to survive with, with Oko or without Oko. I, I, like, I, I, I would be happy if it got banned tomorrow, so I'm going to say that. So yeah, I hope, I mean, I'm that's fine. I mean, I hope your prediction comes true. So I, I feel people are already, like, anticipating it and, like, changing the deck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we, we were talking earlier, the last MTG Goldfish article is all about, like, Oko. Mm-hmm. And how shitty Oko is. <laughs> <laughs> and how shitty it is? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I'll find it real quick. But, uh, so our next topic that we want to touch on uh, if anyone has been playing Magic or reading Magic stuff lately, like the reserve list cards are just getting bought out. So yeah. I know Jake, you mentioned you you want to sell some of it, or like you don't want to hold on to it. Yeah, so I, I feel, and I basically always felt extremely uncomfortable owning reserve list cards. Uh, yeah. my, my point of view is like there's becoming like basically by the day there's more and more incentive. For the people to make counterfeits to try to counterfeit reserveless cards. And all they need to do is be able to replicate printing technology from the year like 1996. And they can essentially just like reduce the value of reserveless cards to, I don't know, like 20 bucks each. Or, I mean, honestly, whatever they're willing to sell them for, you know? Um, and so that's always concerning to me. Having said that, I, I love magic as a hobby so much that even though I do think that's inevitable and it will happen within my lifetime. I think that just like the joy that magic brings to my life is worth my collection probably being worth close to zero someday. And so I'm, I'm fine with that, but I do not want to own more the magic need. cards than I need to, basically, is my point of view. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like, and, and we actually talked about it. Sydney and I went on a hike today to uh, 
kind of offset some of the alcohol we're drinking tonight. <laughs> um, but no, like, so we talk about, like, I think, yeah, like, I mean, the counterfeiters can get better, but it's hard to replicate aging. It's hard to replicate cardstock from 26 years ago, right? Like, the, the cardstock that they had back then, I don't even think you can, like, get now. Like, I don't know, like, there's so many factors involved. Like, in, and I mentioned to him, like, I had to buy a plateau for, like, my cube, because, like, it's not a legacy playable card, so I didn't own one, right? So I had to buy a plateau, <coughs> like, two, three weeks ago, and, like, within, like, 30 seconds, like, yeah, this card's real. Just because, like, the aging, like, and it was, like, LP, so it was pretty clean, but, like, right. you can just tell, right? Like, especially if you have another real revised, like, uh, I speak revised, so many ballers the alpha, but, like, if you have another revised card to compare it to, they gotta be pretty fucking good to replicate a, a 27-year-old piece of cardboard. So, like, I'm not really worried about the, the uh, counterfeiters, and at that point, does it really devalue the magic market, or does it just increase the demand for authenticators and like experts at evaluating cards i i agree with jake and i agree with you i feel like counterfeiting in any type of like hobby quote-unquote place where you just dump extra money at <clears throat> there's always going to be chance for counterfeiting and it is up to the community to like stamp that out i think you were mentioning a documentary on the hike about that guy who like was counterfeiting Sour Ball, grapes. Baller wine for millions of dollars. Have you seen that sour grapes? No. You gotta watch it? it. You gotta watch it. This oh guy my God. was like, he bought old bottles that were spent from the time period, got labels from the time period, and filled it up with just two buck chuck, and put some like rocks in it so it looked like it's sediment, and then recorked it and sold it for like seventy, hundred thousand dollars Yeah, it's gonna be millions selling yeah, fake wine. So, like, if they can do it in the wine world, sure, there's gonna do it in, in the magic world, but mm -hmm. I think the community has to be, like, okay with, like, being more stringent on what is real and what is not, and anything that is fake needs to be, like, destroyed, and that will just completely, or keep increasing the price of reserve list. So, as long as the community is, like, our stewards for the cards that are real, I feel that even if counterfeiters come in, there's going to be some way to like figure out which which has prominence and which doesn't. But I agree with you. Like I wouldn't want to hold excess amount of cards just to like, oh, this is my investment. Mm -hmm. I've got thirty plus extra cards that is going to be my retirement fund now. I think it would be better to set put that money somewhere else. Okay, yeah. so we all have a friend who's buying a bunch of dual lands. Do you not? So you think that's not a good move right now? I think he's doing it for short term. I don't think he's doing it for long term. Flip them soon. I think. Well, I mean, the long like I mean, you don't even have to hold them for very long. Like, yeah. If he flips them in, in like six months and they go up at two hundred fifty bucks, you just made two hundred fifty yeah. bucks each card. Well, like, and to add context to that, like the plateau I bought three weeks ago, I paid one hundred and sixty dollars for it, which is a lot for a plateau. It's now like plateaus are now three hundred dollar cards. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. So, like, you don't even have to hold for very long. Yeah. Like you just keep it for a little while. I saw I saw someone selling a, a forty set a set of all four duels or all ten duels four four of them right a play set of every duel for twenty grand the other day. Yeah, and so what you'll do is like, like thirty grand now. It'll become this expensive like trading group where you will only buy from people no. in that community. Yeah, we're like, hey, can is this guy legit? No, he's never played Magic a day in his life. He just came up on these cards. Well, they're suspect or they're sus. Let's not sus. buy them. Let's 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 move on and like make like stamp these as fake, and keep the real ones like high value. I've also, and this could be a testament to how good the fakes are. I've never seen a good fake. 
Yeah, so maybe good. the good fakes are in my collection. <laughs> but a lot of the fakes That's I've a scary seen, thought. That's a right? Scary thought. A lot of the fakes I've seen have been really bad. Um, and like, so like, I've never been concerned. So like, what? Like two on less than two weeks ago, I bought a plateau for 162 bucks. Plateaus are now 320. Yeah, wow. double my money in two weeks. That's <laughs> unreal. And all I, I I can say is for newer players of Magic or people that are phasing into these eternal formats befriend some of your like age legacy players so that they can be there when you make these large yeah. purchases so that they can get your back because i remember this was like two years ago a guy came into one of our legacy events and played a completely f- fake sneaky show deck 100 percent all the cards were like fake <laughs> He had no idea because he, he like basically traded out he all had his... Guru Basics without the foil stamp. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's sad that he didn't know. Yeah. I thought he did yeah. it purpose. Yeah. No, he, he had no idea. He traded out shame. his entire standard collection for a Legacy deck because he wanted to play Legacy. And he was playing in our events and we had to call a judge, look at it, and he had to bake, uh, break the bad news. Hey, man, these are all fake. And he's like, boy, well, traded like $1,000 worth of cards. Jeez. And if he just had somebody that like in the community like with him to make that trade, they'd be like, look, man, these are all, like, sus. They, they were obviously fake. You'd be bad. But, like... Fake Flusterstorm is the same an expensive card. <laughs> fake, wow, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. What I would recommend to everybody is read an article about it and then buy a jeweler's loop. It's, like, $10. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, the green dot test, or the red dot in the green circle on the back is kind of, like, the gold standard of tests. Yeah. And so, yeah, because when I first bought my duels, I didn't know about that. And yeah. I was just buying them. And... Luckily, when I ended up checking them later, They're all uh, good. they all ended up being real. One person sold me a counterfeit on eBay, but like you said, you could just tell as soon as I looked at it. I was like, what is this? And I did the light test. It was the best thing that I knew back then. Yeah. And it you know, definitely did not pass. Um, yeah, yeah. So definitely protect yourself. Make sure that um, usually you can you can tell at, at eyesight, but like these cards are so expensive now. Just yeah, spend the 10 bucks and, and do a little research to figure out how to 100% determine for yourself and, like, so that nobody takes advantage of you. You can always go to reputable, like, game shops that sell singles and like make your trade there ask them hey look i'm making this big trade have the person you're trading with meet there yeah and if they're not wanting to meet there then you can tell like this was a bad trade it's also suspect. yeah that's a good call like yeah. yeah that's smart yeah i know adg will do that for yeah. sure um so counterfeits and fakes aside okay so like to add additional context like underground sea tropical island volcanic island are all now thousand dollars for a revised copy yeah it's brutal um one the question i have for you first part of that question is is legacy the new vintage and two could this potentially be the death of legacy right because i know at least in the arizona community we had a lot of younger players getting into legacy in the last few years right like i feel like that's going to be a lot harder when you're buying thousand dollar duels as opposed to 250 dollar duels but like what does this mean for the format of legacy with dual lands now approaching a thousand dollars and like we'll talk about it in a minute when we do your tournament report but like looking at some of these deck lists we have seven thousand six thousand five thousand dollar decks in legacy now um what are your thoughts on that i'll, I'll let jake answers to the guess um i would be out of touch but i don't think it's that bad for legacy uh, like we were talking earlier you know it's like like most hobbies cost a good amount of money or maybe not most but a good amount of hobbies cost a good amount of money to get into and, like, the magic population does seem to be aging. Like, a lot of people are being in their 30s and 40s now. And so for somebody, you know, in their, their 30s or 40s, spending, like, $5,000 on a deck, like, saying that out loud, like, seems kind of like that's crazy, you know? But when you think about it, you know, they might spend, like, 
40 weeks out of the year playing at FNM, you know, and then when they do decide to sell, it's worth the same or the way things are going even more. You know, like, I don't think it's actually that bad for the format. Um, I think it's definitely sad that, that it, like, pushes some people out of the format that otherwise want to play. Like, that's not good. Like, I want for as many people as possible to be able to play, you know, so it makes the game fun. Um, but I, I do not think it's the death of the format, and I don't think it's anywhere close to vintage, because those decks are, like, 40k. Well, <laughs> they, like, they, they like, have like, all moved up. Right, yeah, like, you would see 5k and 40k, I think, is, is very, very, very high. Like, I cannot imagine ever owning a vintage deck yeah. myself, whereas having a legacy deck, I'm, I'm happy to, to do that. Yeah, I think unlimited black lists are, like, 10 grand now, just, like, straight up. I'm surprised yeah. it's that low, even. Am I, you can buy C- CE copies for 5,000, which oh is insane. God. And then they have, like, turn it legal. Yeah, I agree with Jake that I feel that uh, it will force some players not to be able to play, like, optimal builds. But, like, when I first started getting into Legacy, I played Shocklands. Mm-hmm. And those are quite affordable, 10, 20 bucks. And until you, like, start winning enough or saving your pennies to get your duel, eventually you'll, like, once you buy your real revised duel, it means way more. And you know that, like... The price shouldn't like fluctuate that or drastically drop. It'll never go down. Yeah, or it will likely not go down. Yeah, so that that you like like you know that like all right, I'm finally being able to afford this duel. It's going to my deck, and now my deck is complete. There's part of like collecting of this game where you want to be a completionist. You want to pick your special lands, your special like art, your special foiling, so that like when you go to these events, you feel proud of your deck, and you know that you can sell it back. Hopefully making a little bit more or just the same and breaking even that it isn't like one of these hobbies where like when you buy into something that sh- the thing just drops in value after you pay for it. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you guys. Like this is one of the few hobbies where like the price of entry and then when you exit, you'll make money, right? Like I did triathlons for a little bit and like that's very fucking expensive. Like you have to buy bikes, running gear, swimming equipment and like. You never make the money back on the bike that you mm-hmm. paid for it, right? Whereas, like, this, you could spend... Like, look, like let's say you spent five grand five years ago on a Legacy collection. You're probably sitting on $10,000 mm-hmm. or more, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there is that factor to it. It's just, like, the price barrier to entry. And like you said, right? Like, when I got into Legacy, the deck I wanted to play was Blue-Black Reanimator. And at the time, it played four Underground Seas. And I can only afford two. So I bought two for $250 a piece, or $225, and I played Dark Six Shores as the others, right? Because you only need to fetch one or two to win. And then I bought the other two, right? So, like, the other thing about like Legacy is, like, a la- it's a labor of love, building your deck, t- you know, week over week, every paycheck, you buy a couple cards here, a couple cards here, right? Um, so we'll see, and I, and I hope when we come out of this, like, we'll really see when we come out of Pandemic, right? Um... The legacy community here in Arizona is very healthy. We would have 20, 22 player FNMs. We had our uh, Arizona Legacy Series events where we'd have 50 to 60 players, right? That'll be the real true testament of like what happened after post-pandemic when mm-hmm. we can start playing paper and we start to look at those numbers, right? Yeah. Is FNM not going to fire anymore for Legacy? If, that, if that's the case, it would be so devastating, right? What I are the heartbroken and splitting too? <laughs> what are the Arizona Eternal Magic events going to look like, right? Like, are we going to have 50, 50, 60 player events again? Um, so I guess time will tell. Yeah. But um, and I mean, I agree with Jake too that like some of the people that are getting the legacy are aged players that are now in professional jobs or have become independently wealthy for whatever reason. And so, if you're a younger player and you have one duel and you have to sell it for rent. 
okay, that's fine. But at least that duel goes to another player that's going to actually play Legacy. And eventually maybe your life will change or you'll be able to like set all the dominoes so that you can go back into the game and play it with the real cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And before we kind of transition to our next thing, like I will say the one thing about Legacy, like in most Magic, like the one thing that's not the same with Legacy as it is to other formats is where like you can like standard, you can cycle through decks... Modern, to an extent, you can cycle through decks. Like, Legacy, you really need to settle on a deck and commit to it, Mm because it's hard to pivot. Um, Moto in rental services, especially with us not being able to play in period person, like, you could literally, like, have gotten into Legacy or had an interest in Legacy, like, at the beginning of last year, and played Moto, rental service, played every single deck, and then now we're to the point where, like, once we come back into paper, you've saved up money during quarantine, mm-hmm. and you know what deck you need to pick up, right? So yeah. I think that's huge, having, mo- like, the influx in mo- more moto events, and, like, even Legacy as a whole has picked up popularity online. So I think that also helps people uh, align on a Legacy deck, because it's one of those formats, like, you don't want to spend the money to buy a deck and hate it, right? So being able to test drive it before you buy it is huge. Mm-hmm. I-, I will say this, though, like, Anybody getting into Legacy, please make sure that your life is in order <laughs> before you commit to this, like, high-costed, like, hobby, quote-unquote. Because, uh, I mean, I've met some Legacy players where they, like, had to take three buses to get to an event because they saved their money to buy, a, a, like, a, a car that was, like, 1200 bucks at the time. It was years ago. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, focus on buying a car so you can get to your job, like... Focus on getting your life in order so that you can actually enjoy this hobby and not think like, oh man, I have to sell this super expensive res- reserveless card or card and then I won't be able to play my legacy deck. Please. Yeah. Priorities. Get your life in order. Priorities. Whatever you do. You don't have to have a regular job. If you if you want to do whatever your small business or whatever it is to, to pay for your rent, mortgage, and your cost of living, get that in order and then like sub in like a, a cheaper card and it's not going to... Yeah, sure, it'll cost you maybe one or two percentage on, on, on some win, on some uh, archetypes you're playing against, but, like, it's not worth you, like, stressing over and laying in bed thinking that you got to sell your, your your whole legacy deck to to keep living in your house or your yeah. home. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You don't need to play a fully optimized list. No. But, like, playing the game is so much of the fun, you know? And especially the buy-ins at local game stores are usually, like, 5 or $10, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, like, like it's not playing for, for big money. If, if your list, like you said, if you lose a few percentage points, you know, it, often there, there's there's better ways that that can, uh, can be spent. Yeah, and like if you start playing in FNMs with suboptimal builds, you'll befriend legacy players, and they're more than willing to lend you out those cards mm-hmm. if you get to go to a big event with them and hang out, and so that you don't have to spend a thousand dollars for UC when you can borrow one from some other player who's got like six of them and doesn't really care about them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Cool. I, okay, you guys make me feel a little bit better about this fucking price spike. <laughs> I was like, this guy's following the world's ending. Legacy's dead. Uh, not so much more. All right, so we are moving on to our last segment, and the reason why we have Jake here. So, um, first off, Jake, uh, give you a moment. So, Jake is uh, a great legacy player, great lo- local legacy player. He is my arch nemesis. I think I have the most. I think if there's any one player that I have the most losses against right now, now that Frankie Rodriguez has left the state, it's Jake. <laughs> Almost certainly. So anytime I can pick up winning against Jake, I feel very lucky. I also feel he metagames against my decks, the decks I play specifically. 
I uh, do that. Uh, <laughs> SB has brought it upon me. His deck, uh, he does very well in our locals. He's a depth player, which I think is very good in Arizona. Yeah. And so he forced me to be the anti-depth player. Right? <laughs> if, if I want to win a tournament, I'd probably go to go through SB. <laughs> and, and, and even back in the day when it was like, you won Miracles versus me on Eldrazi. Like, there were some epic battles. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a breakdown about your magic career, types of decks you like to play. You mentioned your brewer, and then yeah, like the floor is yours to just give us a, a recap of your uh, your PTQ uh, top eight that you had a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so I've been playing magic a little over ten years now. Uh, I only played limited, and I played limited casually. Like I was, I was not good. Uh, in fact. My, my screen name is Janky B because when I made my Magic Online account, I knew that I was bad at Magic. So I knew my decks were going to be of janky quality. And people call me Janky B in real life. So janky B, Janky Brews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so that's the reason for my name. Um, since, since then, I've put a lot of work into Magic, and now I care quite a lot uh, about making high-quality decks rather than janky decks. <laughs> but the screen name is still there. Um, so, so, yeah, so I, I got the legacy, like, 2015 or 2016, uh, pretty much started with Delver, uh, and then I basically just played Delver until the Deathrite band. and then for a couple of years I, I would play like a lot of brews quite a bit. Uh, I, I love brewing, I think that like trying to find holes in settled metagames is one of the most fun parts of the game, like the thing that I love about Magic is that playing the games themselves is the smallest part of the game to me, like all the like theory work and time spent thinking about the game that you can do anywhere you are, you know, you can be like shopping for groceries and be thinking about like, okay, what should my 75 sideboard card be against like the metagame I expect is just so fun. And I love that about the game. Um, but, but since, since I've, I've now switched to an established deck, it's been a lot of fun because I'm finding that even if you're not playing a brew, you can still do that almost as much, you know, cause like I still change the configuration all the time, you know, like I almost never play the, the same list as I did the week before because the metagame, especially now that the online changes so fast, there's still always so much more to think about. Uh, and so, yeah, for like a, like a month and a half now, I've started uh, playing Delver again. And I, I think I think the deck is great. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody, especially like we talked about earlier, like getting into Legacy and picking a deck. Delver is one of the only decks that if you bought at any point has just always been playable and almost always near like the top end of, of playable decks. Um, so, so any new players, I would definitely recommend a Delver-based strategy to. Um, you, you can pick your colors, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun. And so for the PTQ, um, basically Snow is enemy number one. Uh, Snow like has beat up on Delver quite a lot. Hopefully now that so many people have spent a lot of time thinking about how to approach the matchup, I think it's getting closer to a to an even matchup. Um, I think I talked about earlier, it's like Sylvan Library and Clothis. And then I also played Bedlam Reveler, which is a tech people people started, I think, a few years ago. It was one the first people were playing Bedlam Reveler, right? Yeah. Uh, this card is like... This card is so good that it kind of feels underplayed in that it's an Ancestral Recall in some ways, attached to a 3-4 prowess body. Like, that's wild. That is so good. Like, if your games are going long, like, beating that card is so difficult to do. And so against Snow, like, when you have your Ancestral Recalls that come with a 3-4, you have your Silver Library Ancestral Recalls, like, you, and then also Young Pyromancer. Uh, I would not compare to Ancestral Recall, but <laughs> it does make 
several creatures in a way that Ancestor Recall also gives you similar card advantage. So basically, you're just playing so many different forms of card advantage um, that it's hard for them to compete. And it's interesting, I, I know that a lot of people talk about like modern control decks being card advantage machines. I don't think that's true. They actually don't have that many card advantage machines. Like, Uro is a card advantage machine that you can stop it. Yeah. Li Sylvan Library against Delver, it's hard to get that many cards off because yeah. they're just going to bolt you or attack you to Delver and kill you. Um, and so ultimately, their, their engines, like, Oko gets card advantage slowly over time, but, like, one of the primary functions of your deck is to be able to handle an Oko. And then, like, uh, Ice Fang Coatl is not seeing that much play anymore. So the deck is actually not the card advantage machine it's made out to be, in my opinion. And so I, I think Delver in the post-board games can actually take over the role and you can be the better card advantage engine while also having early game pressure that they don't. Um, so, so I think that Delver thinks uh, quite a bit to Clothis has like really been given a lot of game against control strategies. Um, yeah, so I mean, the over and I played a bit of Del a little bit of Delver and Snoko, and like, yeah, like playing Delver, Snoko is like the worst, right? Like Snoko is in the meta to combat Delver, right? Because you mentioned earlier it folds the combo. Uh, no, Snoko, not Snoko, Snoko does. Yeah, yeah, not quite folds, but you definitely don't want to see combo. Yeah, so you don't want to see combo, but it has a great game against Delver, which is like a top tier one deck. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you, you do highlight a lot of the points where like with uh, Dreadhorde, Bedlam Reveler, uh, Young Primancer, you just, you gain incremental value that like in gives you those percentage points to like win the game. Mm -hmm. I've also noticed you're playing all 12 cantrips. You're playing four Brainstorm, four Ponder, four Puridane, and I rarely see decks that are playing all four Puridanes. Yeah, so, so this... Uh... This is becoming, I think, close to stock for Delver now, is the full 12 cantrips. It was something that I can't imagine I even would have thought of like a year ago or something when I would on play Delver. I have been so impressed with the full cantrip suite. Like, yeah, on paper it seems like you have so much air in your Delver deck, but just like the way the games play out in reality, there's so few times where like you just feel helpless, you know? Sure. Like... And even when I, I went back briefly to trying, uh, I played one League of the Stifle version that only had the four Brainstorm and four Ponder. Sure. And I felt completely helpless when I was playing. Yeah. It's like there felt like there was so little selection that you're just like hoping to hit the cards you want. And the full 12 cantrips just like lets the deck operate so efficiently that I think it's been like really good. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the, like outside of cards, let's be real, like cards you're casting, the top of your curve is two. And like with Dreadhorde, I think you're just, you're running four Dreadhorde, so you're. Extremely incentivized to play as many cantrips as possible. Um, I think the worst card in this deck is probably Chain Lightning, and I'm surprised to still see two in this list. Like, are there any cards you would maybe flex in? In, in like, <coughs> I see no spell pierce here. Like, are you, the the full ten counter spell suite is sufficient? Like, I feel the worst card is fucking Bedlam Reveler. I, I agree, and I've cut those six because <laughs> um, now the, uh, the so basically like like we talked about, you want you want to pretty much beat Delver combo and Snow, and then the other decks. Hopefully, you'll beat by virtue of being Delver. You know, you're just like a proactive, extremely mm -hmm. powerful deck with a ton of counters, so you don't need to worry about the other decks that much. Um, and yeah, the at the time of this tournament, uh, th there was like the splash green version of Rug, where the only green cards people were playing were just the Okos, and they were playing their own Pyromancers. 
Um, and, and so that deck, you know, you, you could just basically trade with them and then just try to come out on top in like a pretty even match. But now people have gone back to green creatures, so I really think you want to be playing Tarmogoyf right now. Okay. The trade-off for that, uh, there's always trade-offs, and the trade-off for that is that Tarmogoyf is not a good card against Snow. You know, it's like they, they play a Kotal or something, or they just source the Plowshare it, and you know... Abrupt Decay it. Yeah, anything like that. Like, they either won or tied that exchange. And so that, that, that ate some of the young Pyromancer slots, where like, if you just have untapped mana and any cantrip... They no longer won that exchange. Now yeah. you won that exchange. Yes. Uh, so that, that, that's been the trade-off, but I think it's worth it at the moment. Uh, it's also interesting, like, I mean, I guess if it was, like, an open deckless format, like, people would realize to target, post-game one, target the fuck out of that tropical island because you <laughs> only have one. I'm assuming with you moving back into more Tarmogoyfs, you probably up the count of traps in the deck. We got the classic 3-3 three, three for duels again. Because okay, yeah, yeah, I wanted to, I thought it was like, if people look this up and they're playing Assassin's Trophy, if they hit this spark in a library, if they're close this down, I'm so dead. Yeah, you have um, so many dead, you have five <laughs> dead cards in your deck at that point. Yeah, yeah, and those are the most important five cards, basically. <laughs> Um, so, okay, Rending Volley, okay, in Blood Moon, like, how, like, is Blood Moon for, like, 12 post? Uh, so, so Blood Moon was for the true rag decks, because basically, like, you can't really win a fair fight against Rug, they're gonna play a Tarmogoyf. Wait, so this deck is weaker to Rug Delver? This, this deck is very, maybe not very, but very weak to Rug Delver. <laughs> like, it's just, like, somebody lands a Mandrels or a Tarmogoyf, and, like... You're getting two for one if you have double bolt, and that's if you have double bolt, which is a huge if. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you already might be close to out of the game if you have to double bolt the thing if you're even given that privilege. And then they play one more Mandrels or game. Goyf, and you're pretty much dead. Um, so, yeah, this deck, and that, that's the reason to go to, to the Tarmogoyf version, is nearly exclusively to be playing against the other Delver decks. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't really want them in many matches. So I, I love this list again, minus the two revelers. Because I, I when Rev- I played... revelers is a great card. No, it is. If you've ever cast, I was it, quite impressed by revelers. Is amazing. I, I think the card is good. Like I, I played reveler when like it first came out in blue red, just straight up, and it was so hard to get the double red uh, against other delver decks or rug decks because like they would wasteland your double red source. And you would sit there with this eight drop, and you're like, "I'm never gonna cast this thing." <laughs> and so, <clears throat> honestly, like, I would like the only change I would make is like get rid of the revelers and do a mandrels. And I really want a main board library or a main board like Clothis. And that's like the hard thing is like trying, it, especially if, if you had to read. I would say library over Clothis because library is like always live, whereas Clothis isn't. I mean, it's it's a win con. Yeah. It's a slow win con, but like if you can play, like, like if you did one library, one Clothis, if you had a library and eventually you were able to like burn your life total to get that Clothis, you recoup that like life and that, that'll let they, you. They do work together pretty well. Yeah, and so eventually what you'll do is like you'll be able to like burn your life total to get that final bolt. Because sometimes with Blue Red Delver, all you do is like four damage. Push the few. Yeah. yeah, and if you just could find that one extra point. With like bolting at the end of their turn, create an extra he token. Has twelve cantrips or twenty four technically. Yeah, but like <laughs> uh, a lot of the times, it, like with ponder reshuffles, you might draw the same card that you shuffled away. But uh, Moto, you do that all the time. Yeah, uh, you do that in paper all the time too. Uh, I I really love the list. If it was just like three three, like you had mentioned, with three bulks, three trops, those the the double red on the reveler is just a hard ask, and it would just be nice. 
if you had like a main board, like Clothis a main board, Sylvan Library, so that they can work in tandem. Because the Dreadlord Arcanist fights against the Reveler. Every like uh, like uh, spell you flash back, it, it yeah, like, adds one to its CMC. Yeah. So so that is true, but the counterpoint to that is basically if you have an active Dreadlord flashing things back, you've already won the game. Like like it, it's so rare that you'll like have an active Dreadlord that, that's getting its value and you don't win. Uh, so I have tried Clothis main. I didn't like it for, for a similar reason that I'm not playing Oko, is I just don't want to be playing three drops right now, basically. Right, right. Um, like, it's it's mostly good in, in, in the fair matchups. Um, game one against Snow, trying to make the matchup better, I think hurts you more than it helps, because game one is so bad against Snow anyways, that if you make concessions to them game one, you're still a huge dog, but your deck is now worse against the rest of the format game one, which I think sure. is a huge cost. Um, I can't remember if I tried Library Main. I think I might have tried one league with it, but I'm not sure. Um, that card's tricky because I don't want to draw that card in the Delver Mirror, where, um, it, it might just get me killed. Um, having said that, I think both those ideas are totally reasonable. Well, like, I think the deck is, is gonna definitely perform similarly if you do either of those. And, and yeah, I, I agree with you in that I, I did end up cutting the Revelers, um, because the, the double red is pretty intense mana requirement. It's not as bad as it looks because basically the only Wasteland deck left in the format is the Delver Mirror. Like, all the other, like, Lone decks and Maverick, they just basically don't exist anymore. Uh, so, like, yeah, the format has become so small that it's kind of interesting in that, like... I mean, I know I've said it 20 times, I'll say it one more time, it's, it's Delver, Snow, and Combo, basically. Uh, yeah. And so it's like, like, like the, the decks, I think, are built to almost only care about those three matchups. And so it's, it's, uh... It's been interesting. But yeah, the latest iteration, yeah, four Tarmogoyth, two Pyromancer, uh, eating two of the Pyromancers and two of the Bedlams. That's great, four Tarmogoyth, huh? Yeah, and, and I, think, uh... I think that card is quite good. I, I think it also, I want to say, I think it's a lot better than Hooting Mandrills. Um, I think Hooting Mandrills is more popular than Tarmogoyth right now. It does have nice advantages in Trample and that it often only costs one mana, which can be a huge deal. But I think the problem with the card is you're, you're playing green creatures in Rug basically to win the Delver Mirror. And if you're playing Tarmogoyf and your opponent's playing Mandrills, you you're, I think, a pretty significant favorite because kind of the gold standard Tarmogoyf is a 4-5, just playing creatures from yeah. the That's, like, almost a guarantee to happen in the Delver Mirror. Um, you can even get that in your own graveyard where if, if they play Mandrills and they try to eat their stuff, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. And so the, since, since you're basically playing the cards to win the Delver Mirror, I think you should be playing Tarmogoyf and not win Mandrills. I can see that, and what? then so the mana, ch the, the changes to mana. You, I'm assuming you cut the snow covered island and a Valk to make room for the the other two drops. Yep. I have a quick question. Like, what are your thoughts on uh, Brazen Borrower? Uh, so Brazen Borrower is a card that I, that I started with. Oh wow, this deck a is actually soft. This deck's actually soft to dark depths. This deck is soft to dark depths, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, like uh, like the dark depths players can be like cleaning up on Delver right now because basically all of us have just like abandoned the matchup for the most part. Really. Um. So yeah, on paper SBI, I would need to make some changes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so Brazen Borrower, that, that's uh, that's kind of like my same issue with, with Oko, is that I just don't want three CMC spells, and I don't want slow spells. But like right now, like I want to be winning the game, and I want to be winning the game as fast as I can. So like, like, I just want down. max board presence. And so like casting an Echoing Truth and then a 3-1, I think is too slow right now. Um, maybe, maybe in the future format, if there are some bands... Brave Bar was at the top of my list for cards that I would play. Um, but yeah, r right now with how small the format is, I think Borrower has a has a 
mostly weak positioning in the current format. So you're saying it's like the 76th card? No, it's like the 85th card. Oh, God. At <laughs> best, at best. I don't even want to know what else we need from this list, but okay. 85th card, wow. Maybe 185th. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, probably too, that's probably too much, but yeah. I do think it's actually quite far down the list, wow. like uh, the way that it plays out. Okay. Um, so if you don't mind, uh, walk us through your tournament, how it started. It sounds like you lost round one, so it was an uphill battle. No, no, that, that, was, that was a different tournament, different tournament. Oh, okay, that, okay. that was the week after. Um, yeah, so I, I only remember like half the tournament. Uh, I played against a lot of snow. Uh, like any tournament that you top it, I got very lucky. I won, like, I think most of my game ones against snow, which is an anomaly. You have it to get, does not happen. Yeah, you have to get very lucky for that. When you win game one against snow with Delver, you breathe, like, the biggest sigh of relief. Because, <laughs> like, getting one of the post-board games is, is pretty manageable. It's, it's, it's typically you have to win two, which is why it's so hard. So that was really nice. Um... So yeah, I played against a lot of snow. I played against Doomsday twice. Doomsday is a very, very close matchup. Uh, I have a really high opinion of the deck Doomsday. I think it's really good. Uh, I think it's also really difficult, so it's an interesting deck. If anyone's interested in that deck, I think I think that is definitely a, a good deck to practice at and, and get good at, because I think it's quite good. Um, so yeah, I played against snow like three or four times. There was a lot of snow. I only played against the Delver Mirror once. Uh, they had green creatures, and I lost, <laughs> which, oh. which was certainly part of the inspiration to be like, all right, instead of playing these cyborg blood that I was playing my own Tarmogoyce. Um, and then I lost the snow once, and so I went 7-2 and two overall in the Swiss, and so that put me in top 8. And then I played against uh, Sneak and Show in the top 8. Uh, and so this is something else interesting I want to talk about. So, so a lot of people, like... Talk, talk like like uh like I think it's a common opinion that Snowco and Rug are like the only correct choices to, to play like if you want to win a tournament. The interesting thing, from what I remember of the data from all the data collection, the macro archetype with the highest win rate is spell combo. Um which like in and in playing against like I've been getting beat up by Sneak and Show. I I, I can remember playing against it three times in the past month. I've lost every time. Like the straight blue-red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blue-red, like, super fast person. With lotus petals and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like, the white-blue, I think, is very good for Delver. And blue-green, I think, it's closer, but I think it's still pretty good for Delver. Blue-red. And, and I, mean, I mean, maybe on an infinite sample, Rug is still a favorite against, like, uh, Sneak and Show. I mean, on paper, it seems like it should be, and I know historically it has been. I mean, so I have a small sample versus it. But just in general, like, the... The Blue Decks have spent so much energy fighting each other that they're not as good against combo. Well, like, sure, they, they did get the upgrade in Force the Negation, but against combo, I think that's more of, like, a mild upgrade. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, like, against Chalice Decks, I think it's a massive upgrade, you know, actually being able to stop it on turn zero. Yeah. But combo decks, they're not trying to turn zero, you know? Um, Especially and, combo decks with counter magic. Right, yeah. And so, like, even though it's a free spell, it is a two-for-one. And, like, when they, when they have their own, you know, Pyroblast, days, things, etc., they, they have a lot of game and fighting back. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up losing that match, uh, and that person ended up winning the tournament. Um, but, yeah, so just the general idea of spell-based combo oh, wow. in the current format. Let me see, Sneak and Show, this is five-color? Uh, that's just like a progenist in the sideboard. It's, it's oh, just blue ready <laughs> for, the, for the actual <laughs> stuff. <Pro-genesis. laughs> Well, okay, so you lost to the eventual winner in the top eight. Right, yeah. Wait, this guy went 8-0 in Swiss? Or is that... Can um, we not count on that? Yeah, Goldfish, their their record for that um, sometimes omits stuff. 
Um, gotcha. Because yeah, it, it was nine rounds in the in the Swiss. Okay. So maybe that means eight and one, or maybe nine and no, one one of the two, I would guess. So yeah, so I I as mentioned earlier, like I've been a big proponent of the green white. Or no, blue white, blue green. Because mm-hmm. just having so like this list has four Grizzlebrand, three Emberpulls in the main. That is, of those seven cards, there's six dead cards there. Right. Because right. you only want to see one of them, and you only want to see one of them at the you know at the exact moment. Right. right. <laughs> so I mean that is my apprehension here. Like with like oh man, seven four Grizzlebrand, three Emberpull because they're un- uncastable. Right. But so he's got two Simeon Spirit Guides, four Brainstorm, four Ponder. Like, is he running the full twelve? He's running the full twelve. The full twelve, right? Yep. Uh, four Days, four Force of Wills. Okay, yeah. So I mean, this deck is pretty resilient. Like, I think the best combo decks are the ones that can, that can protect themselves with Counter Magic. Yeah. Um, and I think like my inclination here is like this deck is m- performing better than the green, uh, blue green, blue white variants because it's just trying to win faster. Right, yeah. I don't want Blue Red Delver to sculpt their hand with Dreadhorde. Right, I don't want fucking Snowco to you know get Oko out and get things going, because like Dread, I think Dreadhorde is the worst card to see as a combo player across the board, right? Because right. every turn the every turn Dreadhorde attacks, they're just like the quality of their hand is getting so much better because they're casting free cantrips. Um, so I think this deck is, I think, and I, I I'm you know interested in trying this in the league, but like I feel this is. We're playing this version of Sneak and Show because we want to win just before you can set up. Yeah. Or you can find the answers. Yeah, and to speak to that also, the, the game three that I lost, um, it was my turn. I, I had two available mana where I could play a Dreadhorde or I could just like pass with Pyroblast and Force. And all they had was a basic island. And this deck is so fast and can be just so resilient that I, I thought for a long time it was afraid to tap out against just their one basic island was their only land. I tapped out, and sure enough, they just killed me next turn. Uh, so, so that just, like, goes to speak to the, the speed uh, of the current Sneak and Show. So that's a good, like, I wanted to ask you that, because, like... Wait, did they show until Sneak? Uh, no, they show until Grizzlebrand. And, and uh, my, my version doesn't have Oko, so I'm just completely sure. full through Grizzlebrand. So, uh, like, I'm just functionally dead. In the past, like, Blue Red Delver would beat up on Sneak and Show all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was the fact that that... You have to change your gears and not be so aggro and only be able to like tap out, quote unquote, if you have two counter spells that are essentially free mm-hmm. a daze or force of will and the combination of the two. So, like, a lot of the times you would like play a land, go until you no, have... I think you would turn one Delver and then draw go forever. Yeah, if you could do that, but right. if, like, if you had... Well, I didn't have a Delver, I had no threat. But the best turn one, the best oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. turn one Delver and then protect the... Yep. Yeah, well, then, like, put the pressure on that and, like, basically keep drawing cards because, like, eventually they're going to have to, like, commit a lot to the board to get that fast mana and the best they can do is have one counterspell and if you have two counterspells then that trumps their one counterspell. Yep. So... Uh- I agree with that, and yeah, I think I likely made a mistake. I think I should have waited one more turn. Yeah. I thought there were so many things that they needed, but ultimately, like, the math on something like that doesn't matter if the longer game just favors you anyways. And so I, I, I believe that, yeah, you, you are correct, and I think I made a mistake on that. Where, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's always, just... Always hold two counters. Like, I think you knew where into, like, because I played Sink Show, for, like, for the longest of times, and that would be the way to win, is that, like, all right, turn one double, protect the queen, or if you have a turn two... Young Peasy, waiting to have enough, like, one open blue for a spell mm-hmm. pierce. Yep. And then have a force of will pitch blue. And then, like, basically you have now a, a four four creatures, or, like, three creatures that do four power to, like, attack into their 
basically after they've like busted their nut, they got nothing else left. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I mean, eventually, I think like now you know how to beat it. So I don't think it's going to be that big of, of of a threat. And I think there's newer players that are just trying to go super aggro against Nikisho, which it'll work out if you get lucky. But most of the times, like you have better counter sweep than they do. Mm-hmm. And they have to like pop off their combo, and if you have two counter spells, it just nullifies their shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, Delver, Delver has definitely still got to be favored against Sneak and Show. I've just been surprised by like how close it's felt. No, it's um, all like, yeah, like <laughs> you you see their one land, they pass, and like they know they're gonna hide their fast mana until they can go off. Yep. Because they don't want to like give you that let, like, let you know yeah like oh right. shit i can go off next turn they'd be like oh here's a basic land ponder pass and then they got that soul land and then a, a simian spirit guide to be able to you know yeah, yeah. and then you're just dead yeah, yeah it's yeah I, I i will admit i've definitely forgotten how to play against combo because i see like so little of it these days <laughs> like it's just so many fair years but yeah like when i'm playing against combo now it's just like i don't think i'm doing this right like yeah. if i could revive myself from two years ago when it was like two of these days per league, you know? I would feel much more confident than right now where I'm like struggling to remember the, the, the patterns that I should be doing. Yeah, I remember like I was playing against, I think it was like one of the vintage, or it was a legacy in Eternal Weekend in some whatever state, and I was playing against Black Reanimator and they like showcased, or they had the ch- uh, Chancellor, and I was on the play so I, I played into Chancellor turn one brainstorm and got countered. You had to break the Chancellor lock right yeah, away. Yeah, <laughs> I completely broke it, and then they're like, all right, "It's countered." I'm like, "All right, go ahead, go." Add a daze and a force will, and I stopped their, their combo from going off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through the, the next level move would have just played the Lyle and wait, and then brainstorm and then counter. So they don't um, know you broke the Chancellor lock. Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing on Moto is that if you have a fetch land, you don't get the opportunity to fetch it on the Chancellor trigger. It like for whatever reason it. It doesn't let you respond to it. It's just you have on to the stack, there. you want to pay, yeah. So I lost a game one time where I set a fetch and I did a chancellor, so I forced it with the ex- expectation it goes in the stack, I'll fetch, and it's just like, hey, no. Well. Like, no! <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a, a bug or if in paper, if theoretically, I mean, obviously any, any reasonable person would let you fetch. Yeah. But I'm just curious if the actual rules are you're just like not allowed to fetch. It's, and it's weird because when they have a chancellor in play, it normally it goes in the stack then, and it'll still let you fetch on mode. Yeah. It's only specifically the well, like one. It's very strange, and maybe it's even been fixed by now because yeah. it seems like a bug considering that when it's on play, the same ability lets you yeah. fetch. But anybody that plays moto, fair warning. Don't, don't, don't let it go on the stack and then fetch. Just fetch first because you have to do it anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> Bad idea. Crazy. Alright, so real quick, we'll go through the rest of this top eight. So we had the Sneak and Show deck, which the two progenitors sideboard, I assume that's in case like they have to show and tell it into like a Oko board. Yeah, I, I would guess so. Yeah. I guess it's fair yeah, play. I think, I think, unbeatable card kind of. Yeah, I think Progenis has seen some more play because of Oko. Mm-hmm. Uh, second place was Gold Ducket on uh, Rug Delver, and I think this is uh, this guy's a known player, right? Like, he is very, very good. That's why I lost him to Swiss. Also, he he is a very, very good player. Yeah, uh, he's he's won like so many of these legacy showcases. Really? I think like he yeah he's he is not who you want to be playing against. Uh, very, very good player. For, so he's on. Okay, so he was on. The, he had three hootings. Yep. To uh, and so you thought 
Tarmogoyf Wave trumps the Hootie Mandals. Yeah, yeah, that that that's the that's my reasoning behind Tarmogoyf is to to win the the green creature mirror if they choose to play Mandals. Wow. Okay, so outside of like the green splashes, like your decks are very similar. Yeah, all, all Delver decks these days it's pretty like much look like very list. similar. Yeah, which is like a, a couple preference choices for the most case. All right, next up we have BRG. Is this out? Oops, all spells. Oops, all spells. Yep. Wait, so this is only a seven hundred dollar deck. Okay, so if you want to get the legacy, build oops all spells. And uh, win a lot with that. The, the, this is another like thing where it's interesting because even Oko like maybe invalidating some of like the fair non-blue strategies. Like you just have combo decks like this, you know, where yeah. like there's almost nothing you can do about it from the if you want to play a fair non-blue deck. This deck so gives zero fucks about Oko. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I think the but but even like like. Maverick style strategies, you know, like they are gonna have huge trouble with a deck like this. Where even if Ogo is removed, those decks still have like pretty significant Chops barriers zero to them and ley lines. Yeah, that is their strategy against these decks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, I guess they've they've always had similar problems versus all in combo decks. Yeah. So maybe it's not a big deal. I guess it just feels like there's so many different all in combo decks now. Like Doomsday did not used to be like a real deck, basically. Whereas Doomsday is now one of the premier combo decks. This, I think, is turning into one of it's the premier combo decks. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's so an there's, oracle. There's just so many different all-in combo decks uh, to to be prepped for now. As like, uh, I think it's even beyond Oko's oppression of Fair and Blue. I think that the variety of combos making it even tougher for them. Where I don't even know if fans can uh, can can help or hurt hurt that cause. Yeah, I don't know. This deck is very glass cannon, though. So, like, I, I think the, the the cost of playing a deck like this is you also lose to yourself. Right. So, and then that's kind of like, I mean, to, like, to a slighter degree, I feel like the card Echoes deck is like that. Whereas, like, your opening hand is very important because you have no card draw. So mm. you need to try and hopefully what you have in hand can resolve. You hope that Chalice on 1 is good enough to get you to the late game, which is turn 2, turn 3. Where you <laughs> cast, like, Karn or Urza, but, like, this is like the epitome of glass cannon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then I think we had what elves in fourth, and I think elves has not innovated too much outside of well, wow, actually elves is now on four, Al- and I think they've been on it for a while, but four Allosaurus Shepherd for elves is like the new norm. It just gets them through uh, counter magic. It gets them through chalices, which used to chalice on one used to hurt ch- uh, elf decks, um, and then also like. A, uh, a couple of elves and a shepherd and a guy's cradle can just win the game right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I've noticed, and I don't know how recent it is, but Collector Roof is a main board card now. And Interesting. I, I like that. Yeah, I've seen, like, so, like, when I played elves and, like, they GSC for two and I'm on Karnak because I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. They're, they're going to get Collector Roof. Yep, I've, I've played a lot of Green Sun Shells, and I know that feeling from the other side. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put one yeah. in the main and not have to worry about this. The one thing I'm surprised about, though, here is, like, so they have four Decay in the side. They have uh, they have abandoned Assassin's Trophy. Mm-hmm. And I know Assassin's Trophy was good against some of the land combo decks by, like, all Assassin's Trophy, your Dark Depth in response. Mm-hmm. But they've moved off that, it looks like. 
Yeah, I think the reason for that is you just like don't really see those land combo decks anymore, but you're going to see a ton of Dreadhorde Arcanist. And Oko decks um, that have blue counter magic. Yeah, so the interesting thing is Elves, I do not think they mind Oko. Um, like, as an Oko player, like it's pretty common to side out Oko against yeah, Elves. The card is just like slow, and like Elves would be thrilled if you spend like your turn three oh, yeah. to, well, to do that. The thing that. about Elves is like, Oko is going to answer your big payoff card, whereas Elves is like... A series of non-PF cards into mm -hmm. the card that just wins the game. Yeah. Which is natural order in the Crater Hoof and it's game over. And at that point, Oko doesn't matter, right? You're never Okoing a Crater Hoof because you're dead by then. Yeah. And Elves, I think, is a really good, powerful strategy. Like, it is scary to play against this deck. Like, you'll have a hand that you, you think is good. And then on turn two, you're, like, functionally dead. Uh, yeah. like, I've played so many games where on their turn two, like their hand and part of their library is now on the battlefield and it's just like how did this just happen like the the, the deck it can just be blistering fast i have a lot of respect for this thing i think it's a very good strategy yeah and i think elves is one of those matchups where like mastery of the format is important because like mm -hmm. knowing when to use your removal and knowing when to use your counter magic is extremely important in this type of a matchup because like so so many of these creatures do different things and they could bait you out with stuff that seems important and you waste your counter spell on it and then like yeah, so, like, Elves is a, a deck that you need erupts in before you know, like, you can optimally play against it. It's fun to play against, too, because of all those things. Like, like yes. I played against it in the challenge this morning, and yeah, there's so many different things to be thinking about. It's a really cool deck. Yeah. Uh, fifth place was Snow Miracles. Uh, Yorion Snow Miracles. Um, is, like, so you play a lot more than us. Like, is Yorion kind of, like, a fixture in Legacy now? I know it's, a, uh, it's the new D&T, right? It's, uh... Yorion is still... Pretty fringe. Oh, okay. You'll see... This is the other person that beat me in the Swift, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh okay. um, Yeah, you'll see Yorion every now and then, but it's a surprise when you see it. Like, if, if you're playing against a control deck, nine times out of ten, they're not a Yorion variety. Okay. Ma maybe even more than nine times out of ten. What about DNT? I've seen a lot of DNT Yorion decks. Um, I think that more people have moved back to 60 cards... Okay. But you also just very rarely see D&T in general. Yeah. Like, I can think of playing against it once in in the past, like, six or seven challenges I've played. Maybe twice. Wow. But, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, like, I mean, like I keep saying, it's snow-rug combo. <laughs> like, that is the format. Like, any other deck, it's like, yeah, you'll see that rarely, but don't really sweat it. Yeah. Focus on these. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, this looks fairly standard. It looks like Abundant Growth is still a fixture in these Yorion decks because it just draws some cards. Um, but all right. So you lost. The, okay. So you lost the winner, and then the guy that got fifth. Hogak. <laughs> I can't imagine there's much innovation here. It's pretty pr probably pretty standard. So this this person played Jund instead of the more common Soltai that has the uh, oh for anger. I've been seeing a lot more anger too. Yeah, that's an interesting card, and then they just get Faithless Looting, so instead of having to have the crab stick around or wait to play it on turn two, they, they can just uh, jam Faithless Looting on turn one. Um, I, I have no clue which is better. I, I have not uh, played Hogak in a league for like more than a year. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also not a big fan of Hogak, but like, so the Anger variant gives everything haste if Hanger is in your graveyard, so you can kind of kill the turn you start comboing with casting the hogax and you know recycling the the creatures into the the uh the uh altar and making a bunch of zombies and swinging for lethal like then and there right yeah i'm not sure about hogax because like 
I think combo has really good game against you. It does. I think it really does. And so to me, if you're going to make the, the bargain of like losing the combo, you need to destroy the fair blue decks. While I do think that Hogak is favored against both Delver and Snow, I don't think it demolishes them. Um, like I think, You don't think Hogak just runs every rug? No, I think I'm pretty sure that that I've won more than I've lost against Hogak. Oh, wow. I don't have a big sample, you know, like okay. I, I've only played hundreds of total matches. How many of those against Hogak? Probably like yeah. six or something. But I'm pretty sure I've won more than I've lost because, like, like Hogak is also a bit fragile, right? Well, like yeah. I think Delver players know just like you force the Will of Stitcher's supply and some other stuff, and then if you stick a Delver, often their their deck is not functional anymore, um, and you you just win in the air. Um, so, I mean, I still think Hogak is, like, a solid strategy. I'm not saying that it's bad. I don't think it's bad. I think it's, like, totally reasonable. But I do think, like, it's a bit of a tall order to not have a good combo matchup if you're not, like, massively favored against Blue. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, so you came in seventh. We did talk about your deck already. And then rounding up the top eight was a traditional Snow Miracles list. Um, creature suite of three Ice Fangs, two Uro... Three thieves, uh, three Okos, and then two Jace. So it's interesting to see Jace coming back. You rarely see Jace in Legacy. In yeah, basically, basically only in these BAM versions, right? I yeah. Think, I think all the other ones have uh, stopped playing Jace. Terminus, the four Arcan, Arcan Astrolabes, Arkham's Astrolabe, uh, Sylvan Library, Shark, Shark Typhoon. Okay, so this is like a pretty strict control deck. Yeah. Um, all right. You just won cannon this. So, like, this guy's kind of gaming for everyone. They have the back to basics. They have a lot of hate in the sideboard. Yeah, I've, I've always been a bit skeptical of the Bant version. Because, like, if you do not counter their Oko, you're basically cold to it game one. You you know? it. And that's, that's, that's a big risk to be taking, in my opinion. Like, like post-board, then, then they get the red blast and everything to deal with it. Yeah. But considering how common Oko is, I don't know, like, being put to the test of, like, counter it now or, like, probably lose seems yeah seems uh, pr- pretty difficult. But they, they did really well with it, so... Well, I'm looking at this list, it feels like Rugdelver wins the counter war more often than not against the over-Oko. Yeah, of all the snow variants, I'm the happiest when I see that I'm playing against Bant. All right, good to know. Um, cool. Well, so that was your last top eight. It sounds like you uh, you mentioned today you were so close. You you just missed your win. Also, awesome yep. uh-huh. it was my fault. So it's even more painful. <laughs> you were <laughs> god. <laughs> that's the right though. Yeah. So that's that's life. There's always next week, right? There's always next week. Legacy, oh. Vintage, and Pioneer. Three more oh, shots man. every week. What are you playing in Pioneer right now? Uh, I'm playing Model Black Aggro, but I think I'm gonna have to put it down because like. I don't have enough Pioneer experience to say for sure, but, like, the Reclamation strategies feel Tier 0 to me. Okay. They're just, like... Wilderness Reclamation? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like that, and maybe even Nib to Light. Like, it's just hard to kill them first, and they just have, like, a lot yeah. of counterplay to you, basically. Those strategies seem very good to me, so I might I might start playing one of those instead, which I think is probably better. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Well, hey, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Jake, uh, any wrap-up comments? So, we'll see tomorrow what happens with Oko. <laughs> tomorrow could be Oko's big day or it could just be another Monday. <laughs> um, so, next week, challenge, you're going to be playing a, a similar build, though? Uh, if the format's the same, yeah, I'll be playing very close to the 75 I played today. If Oko's gone...
Maybe still very close. To yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still probably a very good deck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're technically yeah you're not playing Elko and you can you have a solid match against. Elko. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong when you're playing a Delver deck. The strategy is super proactive. It's 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 usually just a good thing to be doing in Legacy. All right, awesome. Well, uh, any parting? Uh, no, I just want to thanks Jake for coming to our podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed your insightful comment in the Legacy world, the competitive Legacy world, and uh, hopefully. When Oko gets banned tomorrow or <laughs> sometime in the future, you'll be able to. <clears throat> well, you already have a deck that doesn't have Oko, so you'll be fine. Yeah, I got no dog in the race. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I'm happy either way. <laughs> he's already. He's already. Yeah, I think. So, a funny thing you said in one of the chats that we're in, like, you were hesitant to buy Uros because he, he's living on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. So, I think Oko's just. Uh, I think. Not Oko. I think Jake is already living in a world where Oko and Uro are banned. So. I got rid of my Okos for that reason. Yeah, that's that's he's got exactly. even more borrowed time than Uro. And then uh, <laughs> we promised to have Jake back on the podcast once he gets to the point where his grind is so significant that he's paying his mortgage with Moto. But so, uh, <laughs> it's not his mortgage; it's his second mortgage. His second, yeah, yeah. Jake is gonna finance a second house oh, with man. Moto tickets. So uh, and his winnings from Magic. We'll have him on then when he can uh, walk us through how to finance your life on Moto tickets. Uh oh, yeah, that might be a long time for you guys to see him. <laughs> might be season three, season four, okay. right. season forty-four. Yeah, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, hey, thank you again for everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you. This is the State of Legacy, and we're signing off.